0: Good morning everyone and welcome to another edition of the Battle round. I'm your host Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer Zachary Allen Goodman. Today is Saturday, October 28, 2023. A beautiful fall day. Doesn't even feel like fall. Looks like fall. Doesn't feel like fall out no, there. It no. is gorgeous. Want to remind you that that the round is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines and you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Lots to do on today's show. Stay in the fan. Charles coming up for his weekly segment. Uh, Ryan Ripkin will be joining the show at 11 o'clock. But first and foremost, before we get into any of that, uh, we have an announcement regarding the future of the Bataround. round. And uh, for me, I don't know how much for Zach, but for me, it is heartbreaking to say that the bat has an expiration date and it is coming quickly. November 11th will be the last broadcast of the bat round And uh, Zach and I came to a mutual agreement for this. Uh, we spoke with Glenn and John. Uh, over here at Press Box, and uh, Zach is in graduate school, and he's got a really incredible internship with the U.S. Senate. And being a being a grad student, having that kind of an internship, there's just th- th- he's got too much going on to be able to dedicate the time it takes to produce this show and be here for two ou- two to two and a half hours every Saturday. Uh, I knew that was coming r- with regards to Zach. Um, now, I knew it was coming sooner rather than later. Wasn't uh, quite sure when, but I knew it was on the horizon. I did reach out to Ryan Blake to see if he'd like to continue in Zach's role, um, knowing full well that Ryan would say no. We we hit kind of a perfect, um, a perfect storm having Zach be able to do this show um, because you're not going to find many people that are willing to give up every Saturday morning um, throughout the course of the entire year to spend two and a half hours doing a show. And then also, frankly, your Friday nights to do the show. This is something that um, people right out of college, like Zach was, um, are, are willing to do because it helps get your foot in the door. Um, but it's one of those things where I'm... I don't know that I'm going to be able to find somebody that I'd have the same rapport with that I that I have with Zach and uh, Ryan was probably that only other guy and when I when he said that he couldn't do it and I knew that pretty much um, plus after talking with my wife um, with the baby coming with my new career it just seems like now is a good time to stop. Um, for me, it's heartbreaking because I love doing this. Uh, this has been my passion for as long as I can remember. The Orioles, baseball as a whole, has been my first love. And, <coughs> excuse me, um, I've always wanted to work in sports. And even though I made a decision about two years ago to uh, no longer pursue a full-time career in sports, this kind of always kept my foot in the door and never really let that candle completely burn out. Um and I'm not saying that the candle's completely burned out at this point, but it it's it kind of feels like a final blow to my potential career in sports. And and again, it was a choice. It wasn't uh, um it wasn't something that I was forced to do. This was a choice once I got married and started looking at big picture for my life, my family, uh, and our future. And so at this point it just seems like a good good time to stop, take a step back from doing this show and try to Provide the best life for my family and myself. That doesn't mean I'm gonna be going away completely. I'm still gonna try to do something um, throughout the year. I love baseball too much to not talk about it, not give you all my opinion whether you want it or not. <laughs> love it way too pay, pay much. Off, pitch around the league, making a return. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I, I I love this way too much to fully give it up, but the two and a half hour commitment every Saturday and the time it takes to do the show on a Friday night, um, it's just not in the cards anymore with what we have with what both Zach and I have coming up in our lives. So once again, if you're just tuning in, the Batarounds final show will be two weeks from today. November 11th. Um, I don't know that I want to get a guest for that show. Um, I, I I don't know what the point would be with the season being over. We, yeah, we can just let it, let it um, run. Yeah. Maybe just do a, a best of, or I, I have no idea. A, a mem- I mean, we'll be on the show live, but do do some kind of memory show or whatever it will be. I haven't fully decided yet. But, Zach, what are your, what's your, um anything you want to say about
1: this? Well, we, we can definitely uh, come up with something good to do there. That, w- that would be a lot of fun to kind of have a, a really good recap show on the 11th, especially since the season will be over over mm-hmm. um and that's kind of one of the reasons that uh we we decided that that would be a good day because the season would be over and it's the first week into the off season um it's been a really good three and a half years now we've been doing this together which is hard to believe mm-hmm. i can't i, I look back on it i was on my linkedin the other day and i saw really about three and a half years i've been a producer now for two almost almost three years and then i came on about I think like six months before that, maybe maybe mm. not even six months, five months, uh, just doing the show as your co-host. So. It's been a really interesting three years. We've talked to a lot of very cool people on the show. That's something that I will absolutely miss, the opportunity to talk to people like Ken Singleton and Gunnar Henderson and all the amazing people that we had on the show. Uh, today, Ryan Ripken's really cool to talk to. So I'll certainly miss that. I'll certainly miss you know the rapport with you back and forth. We, we've we built up one uh, over the years and, and had a lot of fun talking baseball. So there there is certainly a lot I will miss from the show. But unfortunately, grad school is unbelievable amount of work um, where I just feel like I, I need to be on top of things as much as possible mm-hmm. um, so you know unfortunately you've got to make some hard decisions like that but I, I will absolutely miss many 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 parts of the show and, and it was a lot of fun for three and a half years
0: yeah I mean really um, I started on this show uh, in December of 2019 before yeah. the pandemic even hit as Stan the Fan Charles, as producer and then you know we got about three months and then the pandemic hit, and um, when the season was announced, it was going to be a 60-game season starting on July 24th, um, I asked Stan if I could do my own show after his show on Saturdays, and he said he had he didn't really foresee himself wanting to continue as the host of the battle round, and asked if I would like to be the host of the show to move forward, which was just an incredible honor, and something I could not imagine um, being gifted, Um Three months into my career as a producer yeah. of the show, um, and it, it, th- having that got me a lot of opportunities uh, at 105.7 on Glenn Clark Radio. Opportunities that I'm going to be forever gra- man, I'm getting choked up. Uh, opportunities I'm going to be forever grateful for, and opportunities that kind of um, really helped me get into the sports world, helped me get paid for the first time working in sports. Um, and got me. I, w- I have the numbers I have in my phone are just unbelievable. Oh yeah. It's... Um. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I I mean there there are people who are world renowned who I have as a contact in my phone. That doesn't mean I can call them and they and they'd answer. Oh no. They but wouldn't they're, me they're they, but but they're in there. Um. And that's pretty cool. Um. But it's and then being able to do our fir- my first show. Um. The day after the season started in 2020, and Zach didn't come on um, until probably a month it into was, the season. Not even, not even.
1: I think it was no. It, it was middle of the summer, sometime like July or August of 20.
0: Yeah, it was. I think it was late. Yeah. I think it was uh, probably early, early August. Something like because yeah. uh, we had an original. I had an original co-host, um, and it just wasn't working out with him. Um, it just, it didn't seem like the show was as much of a priority to him, and so Zach came in, um, and Matt Pine uh, was the one who recommended Zach to me, and uh, it it couldn't have been a better marriage uh, for the last three and a half to four seasons, for the last four seasons, um, doing the bat around covering the Orioles, and covering the Orioles from basically the worst team in baseball to the second best team in baseball record-wise. It's been an incredible run. I'm going to miss doing the show, Um, but we still have a show to do. And nope. so we are going to move forward today. Quite a World Series game one uh, last night between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. Nathan Ivaldi uh, squaring off against Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks. Ivaldi, uh, four and two thirds innings pitch, six hits, five earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. Um, it was an up and down performance for Ivaldi last night. He started out really hot. He uh, that second inning in particular, when he struck out the side, he was he was he looked unhittable. Yeah, but Arizona is scrappy, man. They're that scrappy team. They don't go away, and they end up uh, taking a five to three lead on the Rangers. Um, Zach Gallon, five innings pitched, four earned runs. gave up two earned runs in the first inning and only one run the rest of the way. Uh, three earned runs four walks uh 5 Ks not the greatest performances by either by either p- starting pitcher but I'll tell you what we were all kind of expecting and you can tell by the pay- by the players that we took for take to rake last week yeah. we were expecting Phillies Astros yes. in the World Series oh, yeah. and we got uh Rangers Diamondbacks and I don't think anybody really outside of Arizona and Texas really wanted to see that um well but I- if, if every game is going to be like last night's game it's going to be an epic World Series. Oh, no doubt. That,
1: someone said on Twitter that I saw, they said, well, this is one of the best game ones we've ever seen. Mm. I don't know about that, but it was really good. You won't forget it. And, and, and Let's see how the rest of the series goes. You might remember game one a lot more if the rest of the series is really boring. Like If if basically the Rangers just win the next three and that's it, then yeah. you'll probably remember game one a lot more because they came back. Adolis Garcia looks like Randy Rosarena from a few years ago, mm-hmm. where he's just unstoppable. Home run in five straight games for yeah, Adolis Garcia. Crazy. Like The th- this guy is doing things that I, I don't even. I'd have to compare the numbers between him and uh, the guy, Randy Rosarena, who I just mentioned. Really, really good postseason. Like, exceptionally good postseason where he's getting the hits at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I went into the season saying that the Orioles needed more guys that, like the Rangers had, the super high, superstar, high paid guys. Dolly's Garcia actually isn't even one of them. You're looking at. Marcus Simeon really hasn't had a very good postseason so far. Mm. Like He's hit 180, I believe, 200, somewhere around there. Corey Seager's been pretty good. But Adolis Garcia is just a homegrown talent that they, they've made into a really, really good baseball player. And he's he's going to be super valuable the next few years. I think you're seeing him come into his own. He's not a bad defender either. Wasn't what, he a Rule 5 pick? He might have been a Rule 5 pick. I, I don't believe so, but I, I, I can I check know, on or, it.
0: I know that he was like...
1: And then not, not only Adolis Garcia, but you see what Evan Carter's doing right now. And Evan Carter, his slash line, if you look at it from the minor leagues, he would well over a 400 on-base percentage. He was very, very good. And this is a guy who's been a top prospect for a while in the organization, but Evan Carter has come up and been absolutely unbelievable throughout the playoffs. Batting three, right. 308 in the playoffs so far, this kid is really far better than you ever could expect it from a rookie who is just 23 years old. It's truly remarkable what Evan Carter and Adolis Garcia have done. And that's why they won. Well
0: frankly. and, and Adolis Garcia has been absolutely ridiculous um in the postseason, but let's not gloss over um what Corey Seeger did last night. Bottom of the ninth, literally on cue. They say, um they said something about him. I, I can't remember the the exact line, but uh Corey Seeger one swing away from tying this ballgame and then on that pitch he smokes a home run in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game. And Corey Seeger, you know, if Shohei Otani didn't exist, he'd be your AL MVP yeah. this year. Yeah, that's and true. Corey Seeger is that guy that we think Gunnar Henderson can be. So watching him do what he did, come into his own and look, he has been a phenomenal player, a rookie of the year, oh, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. uh, um I believe he was a World Series MVP. You look at at, at what Corey Seeger has done in his career, and this was this has been his best year. He has been everything and more that you wanted him to be. And to hit a home run in that situation... And then for Adolis Garcia to come up in the bottom of the 11th, after all the theatrics he's given us already throughout this postseason, right. that walk-off home run that he hit last night gave him a major league record 22 RBIs this postseason. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's it, unreal. Th- this Texas team, man, it might be a team of destiny. I mean, when you spend half a billion dollars on, uh, on free agents over the last two years, yeah. you probably should be a World Series contender. Yeah. But make no mistake, they've earned it. They have been—and un- it's crazy— because they were that team, they had like six or seven four-game losing streaks in the last two months of the season. Yeah, and I mean they they kind of backed into the playoffs. They had they lost the division in the final weekend of the season because they lost three of four to the Mariners. <sighs> right, right, right. And, and, and Which is and unreal. It, it's crazy that that happened, and now they've gone ten and three in the postseason. And the Mariners almost snuck in at the very end
1: of that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it would have had to be a it, it was a tough road for them, but they they almost they they really got close. You look at Corey Seager, and he signed through 2031, and it brings mm. up the discussion we've had on this show probably 50 times, but look at the long-term contracts that teams are forced to sign guys into. This one is one that looks like it's going to pay dividends. He's not going to be this guy in 2030. I don't think anyone no. thinks that. When when he's at the, I don't know, last four years of his career, last three years of his career, more, more specifically that contract, th- he's not going to be the same guy. But what you're getting out of Corey Seager right now, it's worth and, it. And the fact that he's basically with Adolis Garcia with Evan Carter, doing everything for the team, it, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. it. It starts to change my mind again. I I, I flip flop all the time on whether I think these contracts are worth it. But if a guy like Corey Seager can get you into the playoffs like this and just and and tie the game last night like he did and uh, do everything else he's done in these playoffs so far, then it, it's it's hard to overstate that worth.
0: Yeah, no, no, the, you, a lot of these long contracts. You're paying for the first half of that contract, and then whatever you get in the second half is a bonus. And, right. if you, and if you get a World Series or two out of the first half of that contract, it's well worth it. You're happy. Yeah, right. you're absolutely happy. And that, that's, that's kind of how they look at things. And getting back to Adolis Garcia, he was not a Rule 5 pick, but he was traded from the Cardinals to mm. the Texas Rangers in December of 2019 okay. for cash considerations. He got right. six hole at-bats in 2020 for the Rangers yeah. and went 0 for 6. He was designated for assignment on February 10th, 2021, uh, after the wow. Rangers signed Mike um And then on February 12th, he was outrighted and invited to spring training as a non-roster invitee. He goes on to win, I believe he won Rookie of the Year in 2021. And he has been a force for them ever since. Af- uh, defensively, um, he is a gold glove outfielder with a cannon for an arm. And all offensively, I mean, we don't even need to, need to say. It can't be overstated. What right. he's done offensively for this team in the regular season now, really shining when the, brights are the, light, uh, when the lights are the brightest in the postseason. Uh, this, this Texas Rangers team. Now, look, I cannot count out the Diamondbacks, right? They went no. down 2 0 to the Phillies, they went down 3 2. They won that series to get into the yeah. World Series. They lost that game last night by a run to the two best players on the Texas Rangers, Corey Seager right. and Adolis Garcia. Corbin Carroll has been absolutely fantastic. And Catel Marte uh, has tied Derek Jeter for the longest hitting streak in postseason history, but it's the longest hitting streak to start a postseason career yeah. um, for any player. He's been fantastic. Zach gallon has been up and down. He's not been very good his last three starts. But this team has talent. They've got a, they've got a, a lot of young talent. They're only going to get better from here. And I can't count them out. It's It's... It's one game. The Rangers look like a wagon. I mean, they took down the mighty, um, the mighty Baltimore Orioles, and the mighty Houston Astros. And you can't bet against them, but you can't bet against the Diamondbacks either. Yeah, I mean, Zach, Just keep your money in your pocket and watch the games. It, it,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's funny the Diamondbacks only had eighty-four wins this year because you look at Zach Gallen, and that's a guy who is a frontline, true ace starting pitcher. I, I think Zach Gallen is one of the best starting pitchers in the national league i Mm -hmm. truly believe that 17 wins this year 350 era four and a half war like this is a very very good pitcher so to see him not be so good in these last few starts is puzzling i guess but it hasn't really hurt them they're in the world series and they were an 84 win team nobody expected them to be here Mm -hmm. but it's the it's the guys that you don't expect maybe as much to contribute alec thomas another two hits last night there's been just the lineup is not really a a big name lineup there's not three or four guys in there that you look at like Corey Seager and Marcus Semien that it's it, it's not like that with uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks so right you look at the lineup and it's a bunch of guys that you've maybe heard of but if you're not in Arizona maybe you haven't so it, it's amazing to see them really stick in every game and I think they're gonna put up a fight here I don't think Texas is just gonna walk all over them even though they are the hot team right now but then again the Diamondbacks are the hot team in the National League so, yeah the, it, it, it goes both ways
0: they're definitely not gonna get walked all over that's that's no. for sure um, but the crazy thing about the Diamondbacks is I had given up on them completely this year because, so I'm I'm trying to pull it up. I heard them say something on the broadcast last night, but I want to get it, I want to get it correct. Um, I heard them say that over the last three months of the season that the Diamondbacks were 10 games under 500 and let's see, they were eight... Yeah, they were they were 10 games under 500 the last 3 months of the season. I remember looking at their record in in August at, at a certain point. I think it was middle like the middle of August. And they were 8 games under 500 for their record. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, they fell off a cliff." They did. They fell they did. off a cliff. And then towards the end of September, I'm watching a, a Cubs game on just briefly turned to them. It was after one of our shows on a Saturday. Yeah. I turned the Cubs on on Fox and they were saying the Cubs still ma- managing to hold off the Diamondbacks in the NL Wild Card. And I said, "What?" And I looked, and the Diamondbacks were like two games above 500, but they, they were right, yeah. but they were right in the thick of the race. I mean, this team at the end of June, what was their record at the end of June? You know, what? I'll, I'll, I'll go look really, really quick here. At the end of June, this team was 49 and 34. Yeah. And, good. and actually, after July first, they were fifty and thirty-four. They were sixteen games above five hundred, and then they only won thirty-four games the rest of the way, and over th- over the course of three months. Like that's absolutely incredible that they yeah. that they were that bad the second half of the season, eight games under five hundred at a point in August, and they managed to not only get into the playoffs, but then, and I think they got swept in their final series. I th- I'm pretty sure they got swept in their final series and still somehow managed to get into the playoffs. Yep, they they lost their last four games of the season and still managed to squeak their way into the playoffs. And now they're in the World Series. Yeah, It's in the, one of the most incredible and miraculous runs that you're ever going to see in the postseason.
1: So one of the really under-the-radar pickups was Gurriel. You look at Gurriel Jr and what he did this year 261 24 home runs 108 OPS plus those are those are good numbers compa- especially compared to the rest of the D-backs lineup you have Cattell Marte who's been an established guy he's probably the most established Star in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Marte is a good player. Yeah, uh, Cr- Carroll. Cr- Christian Walker is, is going to be a good hitter, but that's you know he hit 33 home runs. He's a first baseman, classic lefty power hitter. That's what Christian Walker does. Um, Gabriel Moreno had a good year as a catcher. Uh, Geraldo Peromo had a decent year at short. Like these are guys that maybe you probably haven't heard of. I mean, Geraldo Peromo, uh, Perdomo, excuse me, is not a big name in Major League Baseball.
0: We didn't even get the name right the first time. Right, of course, of course Cor- not.
1: Correct. Uh, Jake McCarthy played ninety nine games for this team and, and is listed as a starter here. Hit only two home runs, but uh, on base percentage of three eighteen. That's almost what Austin Hayes put up this year. It's just these guys that you don't really know uh, played a lot better than maybe you would have expected. But Guriel, I really believe, was one of the key pieces that put them over the edge this year. Oh, absolutely. They a, got they got better.
0: There was a point a few years ago. Um, and I think it was during the 2021 season where I'm watching, uh, Lourdes Gurriel. Maybe been during the 2020 season, the 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 season that he had in 2020, in 57 games. It was that season. I looked at him and I said, he's the best hitter on the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And then when when he when he got traded to Arizona, I sat there and I thought to myself, they didn't get enough for him. I, I mean, I I know that they got Dalton Varsho in that deal, but I feel I feel like they gave up too much for Dalton Varshow. Like, Lourdes Gurriel is a really good hitter. Yeah. He's a really good hitter. And the Diamond, like you said, that was a key pickup for them. He was huge for them all season long. Uh, He set career highs in home runs, uh, career high in doubles, um, second most RBIs of his career. Um, The on-base percentage has dipped a little bit over the last couple of years, but he's still, like... He's, he's just he's clutch too. He's a clutch player. Clutch player. He, he's he's just a good, solid baseball player that you need on a good winning team. Uh this series is far from over. Yeah. And they kind yeah. of put themselves in a little bit of a hole. You wonder how demoralizing a loss like that is when you're leading by two in the ninth inning. Yeah. Well um, it has to be. <laughs> you know, but you wonder how that affects them moving forward. But we've seen time and time again, this team, they don't quit. And they have that ability, again, down 2-0 and 3-2 to the to the Phillies yeah. in the NLCS. And they, they're in the World Series. Um, we expect them to bounce back. Before we get Stan on the line, a couple of Orioles notes that we want to talk about. Um, the Orioles have received some sporting news accolades. These are awards voted on by their peers. Mike Elias, Executive of the Year. Brandon Hyde, Manager of the Year. Gunnar Henderson, Rookie of the Year. Um, I wonder if these awards mean as much or more to the recipients because of the fact that they're voted on by their peers. Um, they're not the official awards. They're not the Major League Baseball official awards, but they're still significant. I'm like, when Ryan Mountcastle was a Sporting News Rookie of the Year in 2021 for hitting 33 home runs, um... But he wasn't the actual Rookie of the Year. Right. You wonder how much... I mean, I'm sure they still put them on their mantle. You wonder how much these awards mean to these players. I would think a good amount. Uh,
1: but when you get the national recognition of the actual award, mm-hmm. I think it means a little more. Yeah. I, I think players... I'm not saying it's like the, the Inigo thing or anything, but it kind of is in a way. Like if, if you're recognized by the entire country as the Rookie of the Year, rather than just by sporting news... Right. Right. I feel like you probably value that a little more.
0: Well, yeah. When when people look at your career, they're going to see... If you've, right. If, if you've baseball won, reference, you pull it up. That's you, what you're baseball, ref, baseball reference, your award is going to go down in the annals of history. Sporting right. news awards, they don't do that. But they, I'm sure they still mean quite a bit because they, this is what the players and other yeah. coaches and executives voted on uh, to help to get you to win. Um, I'm sure it means something, but maybe not as much because those aren't the ones who go down an annals of history. Like, Ryan right. Mountcastle can't call himself the official rookie of the year exactly. from 2021.
1: But how amazing is that, to have the executive of the year and the manager of the year? That's pretty incredible. That, mean, that's th- just top executives. T-
0: take, takes you back to 2014 when Buck and uh, Dan... Yeah, that's true. One won the award at the same time because um, that team was so so, good. so
1: many parallels, if you look yeah. back. I mean, nine years apart, but so many parallels between yeah. those two teams.
0: Absolutely. Now, in other Orioles news, lots of promotions, too many to get into. And, uh, and yeah. you know, we could sit here and talk about who got promoted to the director of scouting and uh, this, that, and the other, but you guys don't care. <laughs> like, it's it's a big deal. Inside the organization yeah. and as a whole, yeah. but the, the the casual fans... Okay, cool. Tell me about Chris Holt and Darren Holmes. Uh, Chris Holt has been the Orioles pitching coach and director of pitching for the entire organization since 2021. Uh, he is no longer the pitching coach. He is um, yeah. taking a step back from that role, and he will just be, uh, primarily focus on, or solely focus on... Being the director of pitching for the entire organization, it seems like a demotion because he already had that role and he was the pitching coach, but they really want him to be able to focus better on just the overall pitching of the entire organization. Yeah. Um, Darren Holmes, you would think, will be the guy to replace him. Well, he's gone. He was the assistant pitching coach. He is no longer with the organization. He's moving on, probably trying to get his own pitching probably. pitching coach position um, with a different team. Uh, you wonder if maybe the Orioles told him, look, we're, we just don't think that you're ready for that role yet. And so he yeah. decided to move on. Um, it's interesting that he will not be the guy to fill the role. So the Orioles have to fill um, not only their pitching coach role, but also their assisting, assistant pitching coach role um, this offseason. And we'll get into more. of Oh, no, we won't. I was going to say, we'll get into more of that as the offseason uh, progresses. but I have one comment
1: on an executive promotion. Hmm. They promoted uh, Matt Blood out of the director of player development role. So that's mm-hmm. not going to be his anymore. That's a really significant role. I think that's one the f- fans care about. He's been on our show before, Matt Blood. Yeah. They promoted Anthony Via. I believe that's how you say it. Anthony hmm. Via to director of player development. Anthony Vias is 29 years old. This mm. guy's young. He just played in the minor leagues as recent as 2018. So, it's pretty incredible that this guy has I, I guess being a former player, he probably, you know, knows the ropes of, of player development, but Sure. That's pretty impressive. And this guy yeah. played third it says he was a third baseman, first baseman, and left fielder in his career. So, played around a lot, probably knows a lot of, you know, a lot about a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, are, he it's has the best to, way to, to to get, it's the best to, way to, put get it. to get that position. Yeah. But um, but that's a young director of player development.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, we've seen it in in all professional sports time yeah. and time again. True. Uh, uh just how young head coaches are. Um Sean McVay was 30 when he got the head coach job for the, same, for, the for the um the Rams. So, uh, also of note, uh former Oriole Ron Flattery. Ryan Flaherty is a finalist to be the next San Diego Padres manager. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. While Zach gets Stan the Fan on the line, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. They are hosting a hiring event right now. It is taking place at the Public Safety Building. That's 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Applicants can complete multiple parts of the hiring process, including agility testing, written testing, and the ability to p- to apply on the spot members of our specialized units will be in attendance to further discuss career opportunities with the police department and starting this afternoon there will also be a trunk or treat event that is open to the community even if you're not interested in joining the bcpd so join the baltimore county police department today at the public safety building in towson at 700 east joppa road joining us now on the broadcast he is stan the fan charles stan good morning how are you
2: Good morning. Good morning. How you guys
0: doing? We're doing well, Stan. How are you doing? Did you stay up to watch that entire World Series Game 1 last night?
2: Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
0: Uh, I tried to. I got through the 10th inning, and I could not keep my eyes open anymore. Really? Uh, it comes from getting up at 5 o'clock every morning during the week. I just, I could not do it. Um. So I'm. Oh, missed. I didn't
2: realize you. I didn't realize you got up so early.
0: Yeah. If I don't get to the gym before I go to work, stand, I'm just not getting there, and then I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna okay. get fat. So. Um, right. Right. Um. But last night, you know, not a starting pitcher really set the world on fire. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi. He looked good early. Gave up five runs on four and two thirds innings. Did strike out eight. Only walked one. But he left a lot to be desired. Uh, Zach Gallon, third straight start where he was. Not as effective as we become as we become accustomed to seeing. Five innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, but four walks uh, to go along with his five strikeouts. What did you think of the pitching performance last night? I know that Ivaldi uh, did you uh, dirty during the regular season, cost you a fantasy baseball championship. What did you think of the pitching last night?
2: Um, you know, fair, fair to middling. Uh, you know, Ivaldi just definitely wasn't one last night, and it'll be interesting. That's why you you would tend to think now that the Rangers really have a big upper hand
3: mm-hmm. is
2: because you needed you probably needed to win the game of Aldi pitch you know mm-hmm. to let that one get away is really really going to be tough to make up for the uh, for the Diamondbacks I thought Gallon uh, sort of gr- gr- grinded through five uh, you know he he wasn't he hasn't really been on. Uh, the whole postseason. Uh, I thought he had some opening jitters last night, and uh, when he got those behind him, I thought he uh, acquainted himself fairly well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it was a nice bounce back for him because he gave up two runs in the first inning, put his team in a, in a little bit of a hole early. But then he really settled in, only gives up one run over the final four innings, only gave up four hits for his outing. Um, it looked like the Diamondbacks had kind of taken control of that game But there's no taking control when a lineup that you're facing has Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and Adolis Garcia. Corey Seager, stand comes up in the bottom of the ninth and hits that game-tying two-run homer on cue as they're talking about how they're a home run away from tying the game. And then that pitch, he jacks out of the park. Then you go to the bottom of the 11th and maybe one of the all-time postseason performances we have ever seen. Adolis Garcia continues his hot postseason, homers for the fifth straight game. This one a walk off home run, twenty two RBIs for the postseason, a major league record. How clutch have Seeger and Garcia been in this postseason? And how much how much trouble are they going to give the Diamondbacks the rest of the way? Well, I mean, you know,
2: it probably will give them a lot of trouble. Um, I, you know, I had an interesting take on last night's game, and it really has to do with. Uh, with with sequencing of your relievers. I thought if he had used Seawald in the eighth inning, uh, I think he would have gotten through the four, five, six hitters. I think it would have been. might have been three, four, or five. But I might have been tempted to use Seawald there, and then Ginkle would have had the bottom of the lineup. And what that would have allowed you to do, possibly, you don't know how it would have worked out, would have been... Sort of to really have the have your closer come in at the important the more important moment because Ginkle, Ginkle's inning, and I like Ginkle, Don't get me wrong, Ginkle's inning, his lack of success last night. You know, he, he he was able to get through it, but he allowed the order to swing around again, where you have to face Seeger again. You might have you might have gotten a one two three inning out of Seawall in the eighth, mm-hmm. and Ginkle have been able to avoid pitching a seeker just now, a thought
0: it, it's it's an excellent point you know if you have seawall pitching against the bottom of the lineup there's a good chance that he gets through that uh, pretty decently and then Ginkle has the opportunity to not have to pitch in that situation where, where with with um, uh, he, he has that opportunity
2: well yeah, well, yeah, well, well would have been facing either three four or five or four five six but if he if he's on at that point in the game Ginkle might really be able to handle seven, eight, and nine. You know, you might not. You might not get around the semien.
0: Oh, I thought you were you were flipping it the other way. My 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 apologies on that one. But you know, that's that's a couple weeks in a row that you've had the issue of an issue with the way that these bullpens have been handled. Stan, have you ever thought about getting into the pitching coach game? The Orioles have a hole in their on their team.
2: No, that's <laughs> not that's not for me. I'm a I'm a good uh, first and second guesser. Uh, but, uh, you and me it, both. It, it wasn't, it wasn't as galling a, a mistake as I thought Thompson made last week, uh, in that game that I ranted about last week. But, uh, I, I, I did think there was a little room for second guess with, uh, with the way, um, uh handled that. But, you know, look, um, uh, you know, they, they got around to that point in the order and, uh, uh, Corey Seeger didn't miss that pitch. Uh, that that uh, that seawall did miss. You know, that yeah. was not a good, not a good place for that bit.
0: You know, you know, Stan. I think a lot of us were expecting it to be Astros Phillies in the World Series, and when they ended up being, I mean, the Rangers are a good team. When the Diamondbacks, and we were just talking to the Diamondbacks, they were ten games under five hundred the last three months of the season. They were eight games under five hundred overall at a point in mid-August, and they lost the last four games of the season. To to back into the playoffs the way they did and make it to the World Series, I don't think any of us thought that that uh, had any inclination that any game would be that entertaining. And yet, last night was a, a game for the ages, and that this entire World Series is going to go that way. Uh, we're in for a treat here uh, to end the baseball season, aren't we?
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you the um, you know the the uh, the Diamondbacks have very good scouting. And have very good uh, execution and strategy. You know, uh, they're they're going to try and run the uh, run the Rangers silly. Uh, you know, and that's you know it, it dawned on me during last night's game that that's one of the one of the areas the Orioles in 2023 fell backwards, and it was interesting why it fell backwards. Their their dynamic offense in 22 was when Mateo and Mullins were stealing bases left and right. Mm-hmm. And they became, they became a real thorn in the side of teams. That, that didn't exist from about mid-May on, because Mateo got pretty much benched by about June 1st, and, and Mullins mm-hmm. got hurt twice and didn't run. So that, di- that dynamic the Orioles had in 22 was lacking in 23, and watching what it does to teams, it can really fluster teams, you know.
0: Well, and the way that the Orioles started out this year, they stole like 10 bases in that opening series against Boston. Yeah,
2: they they looked every bit like they were going to be exactly that, but then Mateo got hurt. I mean, Mateo proved not to be able to hold on to the job, and Mullins got hurt, so the club became pretty stationary, you know, from... June first
0: storm. Um. Yeah, you and, and you know, with, with guys who you know Mullins is going to be on the roster this year, uh, we're likely going to see Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holliday. Uh, we know we're going to see Gunnar Henderson, but we're likely to see Jackson Holliday as well, and those guys can steal some bags on their own. Maybe they'll get back to running a little bit more than they did last year when they were kind of forced to stop because of the, the poor play from Mateo and the injuries to Mullins. We'll see yeah. how that shakes out. Now, uh, yeah. what's shaking out for the Orioles right now is a lot of promotions, a lot of um, Um, uh, moving parts with their front office and their coaching staff with none bigger then Chris Holt, who will no longer serve as the Orioles' pitching coach. He will focus solely on his role as director of pitching for the entire organization. And you would think that Darren Holmes will be the guy that will replace him because he was the assistant pitching coach. Well, he's no longer with the organization, so the Orioles have two big holes to fi- to fill on their coaching staff. Uh, your thoughts on Darren uh, – how is this – it almost seems like a demotion, but it's not for Chris Holt. Um, your thoughts on these moving parts with the pitching uh, pitching coaches
2: um yeah i'm I'm a little surprised at home i thought i thought he was a good fit here and i thought that the club liked him and uh, he felt comfortable here i'm not so sure why he was allowed to just you know or or wasn't returning uh with Holt. i don't know it might be family situation where he wants to be closer to home but it, it does strike me as odd that that three years ago, they sort of let go of their pitching coach, and I forget his name. Uh, he'd come from the Texas Rangers at one time. And, um,
0: Zach, do you know? Predecessor. Who is it? Are you talking about the, the Orioles' former pitching coach? Yeah. Doug Brocale? Prior, Doug Brocale.
1: That's Yes,
2: Doug Brocale. 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 Um It was interesting that they let Brocale go because they were afraid of losing Holt to another organization, Um, and now it's like two years later, and uh, for some reason they just want him to focus on being the organizational pitching coach. Listen, they like Holt a lot, and that that may be his greatest strength of the organization, is helping the development of younger pitchers to come along, because it doesn't seem like the Orioles are rapidly developing any of these pitchers. You know, yeah. I mean, Povich stands a chance to be part of the rotation next year, but maybe, maybe that's where the help is needed a little bit more. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see which direction they go, whether it's, he's one of these real young guys that comes in from some training center or whether it's a sort of a grizzled veteran, you know, a pitching coach. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, we we certainly will. It, it, it you have to imagine how this came about. I don't know if maybe Holt came to them or they came to Holt and said, you know, we'll pay you the same, but we don't. We want you to focus on this more. Um, I have I have no idea uh, how how this came to be, but I trust this Orioles front office. They've done a lot of great things over the last four or five years, and I trust that if if Chris Holt is willing to do it, then it's what's best for the organization. Um, Brandon Hyde, Mike Elias, and Gunnar Henderson, they all received top honors from Sporting News. Now, these are the awards that's voted on by um, the other players, coaches, and executives. Um, the Sporting News annual awards like Brandon Hyde as your Manager of the Year, Mike Elias as your Executive of the Year, and Gunnar Henderson as Rookie of the Year. Now, Stan, we know that when players and coaches and executives retire, um, these aren't the awards that go down in the annals of history. But how, um, how much do you think these awards mean to the recipients, given that they're voted on by the their peers, instead of the Players
2: Association. Um, I think it's you know I think they're ecstatic that they received these awards, you know, and I think they're probably all well. All three of them are well deserved, you know. Um, I have a little problem with Henderson being sort of this run. And look, I, I love Gunnar Henderson. I think he's going to get better and better. Mm-hmm. If if Josh Josh Young. Wasn't he the rookie of the year when he got hurt?
3: Wouldn't
2: this, you have thought he was rookie of the year when he got hurt?
0: Yeah, and he ended up missing a month and a half to two months and because of that Gunnar Gunner, right. Gunner kinda of stepped in.
2: Right. Um I just thought I thought Young I think Young is a tremendous player, you know, just like Gunner. So um it just wasn't as automatic to me. I'd have to look at uh I never really looked at the numbers. Gunner hit what? Twenty-seven home runs. Twenty-eight. Something, like twenty-eight. And what did yeah. Young end up with?
0: Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was probably yeah. in the low to right. mid twenties because he missed so much time. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, all three deserving of those awards, and yeah, I'm sure they're pretty ecstatic to get them, and I hope uh, it's the first of a, a group of awards for for the for Brandon especially.
0: Yeah, and the um. You know, we've seen it in the past. You know, Ryan Mountcastle won the Sporting News Rookie of the Year in 2021 but did not win the official award. I believe Brandon Hyde won the Sporting News Manager of the Year last year but did not win the official award. Um, So these really don't necessarily correlate with them winning the actual awards, but it's still nice to see your team um, be represented with some hardware at the end of an exciting and successful season. That's for sure. Now, the Orioles, Stan, they've, they've gone out and they've uh, made a few minor moves here. One of them, though, was claiming left-handed pitcher Tucker Davidson off waivers from the Royals. Now, when you look at it on its surface, Stan, you see a 5.98 ERA in 55 games with 17 starts between the Braves, Angels, and Royals in his career. He did start Game 5 of the 2021 World Series as an injury replacement for Charlie Morton with the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, however... Last season, towards the end of the year, he developed a sinker that got the third most whiffs at 52.6 percent in baseball, behind Felix Baltista at 60.2 percent and Fernando Cruz at 56.7 uh, percent, and that's amongst uh, pitchers that threw um, 60 or more. Uh, was uh, I think it was 60 or more sinkers. Um, he got the third-highest whiff rate in all of baseball. Do you think this is a low-key, under-the-radar move that could pay big dividends, given the Orioles' history and Michael history, as a matter of fact, for finding kind of diamonds in the rough for that bullpen?
2: Yeah, I was uh, intrigued by it. You know, clearly they see something that they, you know, the analytic people think that they can, and maybe that's pretty much the tip of the iceberg, uh, but they must see something that they like in him. Uh he, he had his moments with the Angels last year in some bullpen outings. You know, I, he's not too far removed from having been a starter that he couldn't be a starter. But you know me with uh, relief pitchers, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's where he would fit in. That they'd see him in some role in the bullpen.
0: Yeah, maybe somebody who can you know be a, um, a a gap reliever or somebody who can be who can kind of be a, a a multi-inning reliever to kind of if a pitcher goes goes a little short in a start. I do think it's an interesting move. Uh, if you're getting that many whiffs on a sinker, it means that you've got some nasty stuff. So it'll be interesting to see uh, his role in spring training, how they view him, and if he's able to make that roster um, entering they, into. They may, all,
2: they, they may also view him as a an early project for Chris Holt. You know that they Mm -hmm. see something in him, and maybe he'll go. Maybe he'll start the season at uh, Norfolk and work as a starter, and maybe they'll they'll happen upon something that turns him into a more consistent pitcher. You know, yeah, man. Um, He doesn't. It's a it's a nice. Organizational move. There's no question about it.
0: Sure, surely, surely, and you know when you factor that in, make it, makes, it brings, leads me to Shintaro Fujinami. We do know that he is a free agent as soon as the World Series ends. Uh, the Orioles have that five-day window to negotiate with him. Do you anticipate uh-huh. that that the Orioles will bring him back and have him be another project for Chris Holt? Because um, you can't have too many power arms that can throw sinkers like that.
2: I would think that the Orioles would be interested in him, you know, in light of the fact that they'll be without Felix Bautista all year, and we know that now uh in shaping their bullpen next year. I certainly could see him finding a role, but it's up to him to find that consistency that he he needs you he know, just can't you just can't. He he, his role and how much he's going to make and all that—it's really all hinges on trustworthiness, you know. And when you have a guy with that kind of stuff, and you can't even fit him, you have Jake Webb and Brian Baker make the postseason roster over him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you've given up on him, but it means that they, their eyes are wide open that he wasn't trustworthy enough in the postseason.
0: No, it, it, it,
4: you know, the, irony, the irony is that
2: Webb gives up two home runs,
4: Baker walks
2: three batters, you know, and they didn't prove to be. But the fact that he was behind them in the pecking order should give you some indication of uh, where they are with him. Uh, they, they can't give him a, a lot of rope. But, you know, the regular season uh, provides you with enough rope to see if you can uh, not hang yourself.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and, and you bring up a couple of guys. Um, I think Webb will still be here next year. Do you think Brian Baker is still part of this organization in
2: twenty twenty four? I I don't I, I don't I I think that that you know they they lost their confidence in him sometime in July right around that time. Remember, he gave up the big grand slam home mm-hmm. run to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, in that game, um, that game we were in front, I believe, when yeah. they gave up that grand slam. Uh, no, I don't think he'll be back. And Webb is a so-so for me. Um, he, I liked him initially when I saw him. Uh, I liked him when I saw him a couple of times with the Angels. But uh, he just did not, he did not, as a, as time wore me out a little bit, I, I didn't like what I saw.
0: Yeah, we saw why he was DFA'd by the Angels, and he 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 came on really strong once the Orioles picked him up for that last month for a month and a half or so, and then he absolutely fell apart the second half of September and in the postseason to the point where now you wonder if he's a fringe roster candidate, if he's a candidate at all. And then the final pitcher I want to ask you about is Cole Irvin. He was brought in by the Orioles. They traded a um their sixth best um, infield prospect in uh, Daryl Hernandez. To the Athletics to get Cole Irvin, he lasted all of three starts before being demoted to the to the Miners. He was on that shuttle all season. Um, proved more of an effective reliever than a starter. Do the, I'm sure he's still going to be here next year because he's still under team control. Um, but what role do the do you envision the Orioles uh, using him in? Is he going back to a, a rotation candidate, or is you you think he's going to be worked out as a reliever only?
2: Um, it, it was certainly strange
0: the way they handled him.
2: You know, I mean, I uh, we've talked about this a couple times,
3: but mm-hmm.
2: how quickly they moved on from him and and thought that it would be better for him and the organization for him to be in the minors. How quickly that happened um, made me think it was almost like Jesus. What did we what did we acquire here? Mm-hmm. But I watched I watched them carefully because um, I liked the guy and. I still see a quality major league pitcher there. You know, he's not—he's not, he's not going to dominate. There's no question about that. But he can certainly be a useful piece on a on a major league pitching staff. Mm-hmm. A little too early. To, a little too early to tell what role they have in mind for him, because that that would have to fall into how is do they go out and try and acquire somebody like a top guy like a Shane Bieber. You know, and how that would impact the rotation. Do they bring Gibson back? Is Means healthy? So it's a little too early for me to suggest what role he'd have uh walking into spring training. But I would think they'd still view him as a starting candidate
3: mm-hmm. and
2: want him to work toward that. And then it's always much easier to slot somebody in that fails a little bit or isn't quite what you're looking for there to fit him into a long role. So, we'll see. Yeah, I, no, but I expect him to be on the team. Well,
0: with with Austin both opting out to uh, an electing free agency uh, starting this offseason, I can envision them um, – looking at Cole Irvin as being more effective, filling that role a little bit more effectively than Austin both did. And that way you, you stretch him out as a starter in spring training, and then you put him in your bullpen as that swing guy, that that, that long relief guy uh, who can give you a spot start here or there. I think that that might ha- be how they end up using him. But like you said, way too early to tell. It's not even November yet. So we'll, we'll cross that yep. bridge when we come to it. Yep. Stan, what do you got yep. coming up for us?
2: Well, Tuesday, Tuesday night. At Tuesday late afternoon, 4.30, you're going to have Rick Dempsey on with uh, Ross Grimsley.
0: Oh, excellent. Rick Dempsey. Does Rick Dempsey still live in the area, or is he out in California these days?
2: Well, he lives in California, but he's got a a business proposition he's working on right now with the baseball warehouse. He's got a uh, a facility, I think it's in the Saverna Park area, that uh, it's being operated by baseball warehouse but his name is attached to it, and uh, it's a a new proposition that he's working on with them.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, Stan, we certainly look forward to that. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful fall weekend, all right?
2: All right. Thanks, guys. Have a
0: good weekend. You too. See you. And that was Stan the Fan Charles back for his weekly segment. I want to remind you, Stan the Fan Charles continues his weekly baseball show throughout the playoffs and the offseason. Every Monday, Stan is joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the Birds. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. You can watch the shows live at facebook.com pressbox or find them the next day at pressboxonline.com slash video and youtube.com slash pressbox online as Stan just alluded to he will be speaking with Rick Dempsey on Tuesday at 4 30 you do not want to miss it when we come back in uh, Ryan Ripkin will join us on the show that and more next on the battle round.
5: Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code PRESSBOX23. So bet with the best and use promo code PRESSBOX23 this football season with superbook sports visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem
6: call 1-800-GAMBLER make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich
7: profiles the Orioles' survivors, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Enneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs Programs around the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressboxOnline.com. picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100
5: North Point Boulevard, they check all the boxes. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadets starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half, must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. What company
7: has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com.
0: back in live here on the bat around just a few minutes and we will have Ryan Ripkin joining us on the show. I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys are joined by ESPN's Mike Cannonball, Fox Sports Tom Rinaldi, former Ravens coach, uh, I'm sorry, former Rams coach, Mike Martz and Orioles pitching prospect Carter Baumler. You can find those interviews in this week's Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at pressboxonline.com. Carter Baumler. This was a guy that the Orioles paid a significant amount of money. They went yes. over slot with him to get him to forego his commitment to college. Right. Uh he was drafted in what the 5th round of the 2020 yeah. Major League Draft. Um, a draft that only lasted five rounds. He had he uh, pitched in their uh, fall instructional leagues and mm-hmm. tore his UCL. Had to have Tommy Tommy John surgery. He came back about a year later, looked okay. Um, but he's had more injuries since then. What are your thoughts on Carter Baumler? I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know much about him at this point. He can he referred him to himself as a more athletic Zach Greinke when the Orioles drafted him. Uh, how? Is this another project for Chris Holt to try and get him to rediscover who he was and what made them want to give him that much money? I hope
1: his Velo isn't Zach Ranky. That would be bad. Um, well, Zach <laughs> Ranky have Velo w- yeah, when, that, when he was Baumler's age. He, he did. But uh, Baumler, I, I just haven't seen enough. I really don't know. He hasn't had the chance to really show people yet who he is, I think. But he'll have that chance most likely this year. And, and he's a guy who probably would have gone higher than the fifth round if he had been. Um, I, I'm assuming the UCL injury came up in uh in in the pre-draft stuff or or, or something along those no, lines. No,
0: he he got he got hurt after well was after that he'd been drafted. Okay. It, it was I think it was in fall instructs. In 2021. He
1: was better than a fifth-round prospect, though. And, mm-hmm. and, and that point stands. He was better than that kind of guy. And he went there, and a lot of people called it one of the steals of the draft, which is what people say for like every pick of, of every draft ever. But yeah. re- regardless of the point, Carter Baumler was, was probably a third-round talent the Orioles got late. So I think he's still very young. The injuries beside him. He is going to have a chance to actually show people who he is. But I just don't know what that looks like yet. I just think it's going to be a, a, a lot of him showing us what he has, but I, I just don't know what that is.
0: Well, and and the time is now for him to really yeah, get his career off and running. You know, drafted in 2020, uh, has the injury and in fall instructs in 2021, yeah. uh, misses most of 2022, yeah. or maybe the injury was in fall – In I think the injury was in fall instructs of 2020, and missed all of 2021 and the first part of 2022, came back and pitched fairly effectively in three-inning spurts here and there. Yeah. Um, but then yeah I can't remember what the other injury was for him uh that caused him to miss a lot of the 2023 season but yeah. look man you're you know now about to be four years removed from being drafted and you haven't pitched above what low a right at this I mean, point it's it's time a. it's time to get it going he's throwing 28. Whole innings in the minors, yeah. so it,
1: it, that's not going to really tell you what he is. It, it, this is the season that he's going to have to stay healthy and show mm-hmm. you what he is. If he's something, then we'll start. I, I'm sure everyone will start talking about it on, on Twitter, and people start noticing. Eric Garfield will probably notice. He he always gives us the uh, the inside scoop on prospects on Twitter, and he'll he'll probably notice this guy doing something at the low levels. Sure, and maybe we'll see him move up. Who knows? He could get to buoy this year if he works hard enough and he's that good. But that's gonna be quite a jump for a guy with 28 that, whole that innings be tough. In, well, in four seasons. I, I would think he starts at high average. I would think
0: maybe. Maybe I, I would
1: think so. And then he would have just one one well, rung to wh- jump.
0: What were his numbers like uh in his little the, bit of time? The numbers
1: were good. In in twenty eight and uh, in two thirds innings, he had a two point five one ERA, struck out almost thirteen guys per nine. The numbers wow. were good. But, okay. then, but then again, this is a fifth round pick competing against guys that are pro- in the FCL more or less, and then sure. he got to Delmarva for only nine innings. So that's not a lot of sample size in Delmarva. He'll that's, probably that's he'll
0: quick. probably start the season. Um, at Del Marva and earn his way up to high A, maybe with an outside chance to reach double A towards the end of the year once high A's done playing. Um, I think high A and double A kind of end around the same time. But he, yeah. m- he might be able to... I mean, if he pitches away, he should. He should be able to... Earn at least consideration, and, and
1: and I read this wrong. He's actually he actually did more innings in the in, in Delmarva last year than the FCL. So he had nine innings in Delmarva, where he had eight innings in the FCL. So I guess it's kind of an even mix for him. Sure. Um, and then eleven innings in uh, Marva the year he got not the year he got drafted, but the year he came back in twenty twenty two. So really small samples. Maybe
0: maybe he does start out at high A. Well, that yeah, that, that
1: he, remains to be seen. He's what now twenty two years old. I think going into next season, that's a li- probably. About right for high A. That's maybe even a little on the older side for high A.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I would imagine that that, that he should probably get his, his start in high A. Then Zach's gonna get um Ryan Ripkin on the line. Want to remind you that the place to be after this and every Ravens game this season is Press Box's Project Game Day. Glenn Clark, Rita Hubbard, and former Ravens Super Bowl champion Femi Iambadejo will react live to every game, offering their truly uncensored opinions about the team's decisions and results in each game. Plus, they'll be joined by other special guests during the year, and you can chime in live during each show as well. Watch the shows live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and check Glenn Clark Radio or the NFL Chick on Twitter for a Zoom link that will allow you to be a part of the show. So join Glenn, Rita, and Femi tomorrow after Ravens, Cardinals, and every game day this season. Project Game Day is brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Joining us now, he is the host of the Ryan Ripkin Show on YouTube on Mondays and Thursdays, plus the Off Script Podcast with Nick Moore. He is Ryan Ripkin. Ryan, it's Paul, it's Zach. Thanks for taking the time for us here on a beautiful Saturday morning.
4: Of course. Glad to join you guys. It's kind of crazy how beautiful the weather is, and I can't believe it's, what, it's November next week? So, uh, but hey,
0: I'm not complaining. I'm Uh, not complaining. Zach's over here complaining. He doesn't like warm weather in the fall, yet he's wearing shorts, although I called him wearing sweatpants in July. I don't know what's going on with this kid. But, um, Ryan, uh, last night, World Series, were you able to stay up to watch the whole game?
4: So I had to miss parts of it early, but I did not miss the the real drama and theatrics and and I went back then and watched everything but could you ask for a better game one, Oh, honestly my,
0: absolutely not and then when you look at it Ryan I, everybody I mean we do this game called take to rake on the show and last week we took all Astros and Phillies players thinking Phillies Astros in the World Series it's a done deal you get Rangers Diamondbacks and people are kind of like Ugh, this wasn't what we wanted especially in all indoor World Series and then one of the most epic game ones that I can remember in recent history. A uh, hell of a way to start out the World Series.
4: Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it was just a, it felt like a heavyweight bout for, for t- the heavyweight bout was supposed to be Phillies and Astros, like you were saying. And it turned out to be these two teams that just had punch after punch. The Rangers start off hot, then the D backs come right back. And then just when you think the D backs are going to have this done, their bullpen's been so dominant. What happens? Corey Seager, who is proven that he's one of the best players in the league, uh, ties the game up on an iconic home run, and then Garcia—it's his—it's his postseason, it's his world. You know, we're just all witnessing it. So, uh, if we have more of those games in line, uh, I sign me up, and I really do think that these two teams are going to put on a show for the rest of uh, the Fall Classic.
0: Oh, tonight's matchup. You're getting the Rangers' best pitcher in Jordan Montgomery against one of the Diamondbacks' best pitchers in Merrill Kelly. Um, what what are your what do you anticipate going on in in today's in tonight's game too? Uh, you have two pitchers that would lead you to think it's going to be a pitchers duel, but these lineups have been pro- have been proving all postseason that they can put up runs in a hurry.
4: Yeah, I think it's every time we think we have an idea of how it's going to go, right? Especially in the postseason, it just doesn't. You mm-hmm. know and and even though as great as Montgomery has been, you know, he can be prone to not having as st- strong a starts because of the flow of the game, how well the lineups are swinging the bat, and, and, you know, other factors, right? I mean, even that game in Baltimore when Montgomery pitched, he didn't have his best outing. It just was the fact that the Rangers lineup uh, drew a lot of walks and they were up big, right? But so I think... You would want to say that, yes, it could be a pitching matchup, but I think we're going to see a lot of the same where if a team can just get one thing going, you know, make make the pitchers work and get someone on base, both teams have proven that they can strike and strike quickly. So uh, I might not expect it to be a 6-5 final. You know, maybe it could be uh, a little bit, I guess, lower scoring, if you want to say that, but I definitely think we're going to see these two lineups – challenge these pitchers uh, just because they're swinging the bat with a lot of confidence.
0: How important was it for the Rangers to win game one at home, to be able to hold serve, knowing that their ace is going in game two? Uh, And if they go up 2-0, you know, we saw the the Diamondbacks go down 2-0 to the Phillies uh, and still come roaring back to win that series. But how much of the uh, do you think that the Rangers are just going to run away with this thing if they're able to get game two under their belts as well?
4: Well, I think the the fact, the first off, that the Rangers weren't winning many games at home. I mean, they, the only home win that they had was like the series clincher in the playoffs against the Orioles. They're, they're 8-0 on the road in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So first off, you're like, man, we're, we're winning games where we're supposed to win games. And, and that makes you feel better when you're about to go on the road that you can do anything. Now, on the flip side, though, um, like you said, the Diamondbacks are fearless. You know mm-hmm. if they lose tonight and they drop down 02, they're going to keep battling back, but I think for the Rangers it's you you want to try to keep applying the pressure. You want to try to keep putting your best foot forward because as we've seen, you never want to give a team an extra opportunity. What I mean by that is if a team has life, you never know what can happen. And we just saw that in the championship series for for the Diamondbacks where the Phillies were up 3-2, and there was a glimmer of hope going back to Philly, and quite frankly, I didn't expect the D-backs to go and take two no. there, but the point is, the D-backs had life, and then they win that game six, they even have more life, and then there's more belief, and then you find a way, when you look up at the end of it and go, that you can pull it off. So, I think that's more of the big thing with Texas, is don't give a Diamondbacks team that's that has uh, nothing to lose any more confidence that they already
0: have. Ryan, the Diamondbacks were 10 games under five hundred over the season's final three months. They were eight games under five hundred at a point in August. They lost mm-hmm. their last four games of the season and backed into the playoffs. How miraculous is this run for them to get not only into the postseason but then advance all the way to the World Series?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, up until the playoffs, there was the opposite of what you want to do. You're playing your worst ball at the at the uh, wrong time, you know. And look, that that's that's a little bit rare, you know. Mm-hmm. Usually we see teams get hot and ride the momentum, you know. On the other side, Texas, they're riding the momentum. And um, last year it was the Phillies and the Padres, you know, building up at the right point. So it is rare to see that, but it also goes to show you it does. Just take one game. And yep. when the Diamondbacks knew that they were in, and they were and it looked to me down the stretch for them of the season, you're a younger team, you have some guys that are still trying to figure out some pieces, you're in a tough division. You know, you start thinking a little bit too much and you're stressing a little bit more. But now it's like, you know, it's it's a clean slate. You go into the playoffs, and after they had that comeback win against Milwaukee in game one, it just looked like it clicked of going oh, hey, we're back. Yeah. Oh, we're just where we want to be. Um, but again, the way that they did it is kind of rare uh, because we can see momentum's a thing. Mm-hmm. It truly is. And so for the Diamondbacks to flip it that quickly um, is a, a testament to to them and, and their coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and they, like you said, getting that, that come-from-behind victory in Game 1 against Milwaukee, at that point, they're probably thinking, we're not even supposed to be here. We're playing with house yep. money, and it just makes you play loose. You know, and, and so you go out there and play your best brand because the expectations are low anyway. So kudos to the Diamondbacks for being able to pull it off and make one of the most miraculous runs in postseason history, in my humble opinion. One more question right. about, about this World Series before we get to some Orioles talk, before we got to let you go. Um, Jordan Montgomery, mm-hmm. the way he's pitched this postseason, the way he's pitched basically since he got traded to the Cardinals from the Yankees last year at last year's deadline this dude's getting the bag in this all season, is he not? He's going to be probably the most sought after free agent pitcher I'd have to imagine. Yeah,
4: he's definitely. You talk about earning your next contract. He has, mm-hmm. and um, you know this is the moment. It's kind of it's it's interesting, right, about how much he's bounced around because teams are trying to figure out if he could be this type of pitcher and going into the postseason and have that type of impact, right? Mm-hmm. But. You know, you just got to have that opportunity and then seize that opportunity. You know, Jordan seized the opportunity. And down the stretch of the season, too, he was great. He really was. And you can argue, or it might not even be an argument, that he was the best uh, trade acquisition. You know, when, I'm talking about guys that came over that have really impacted their team. So Montgomery's definitely going to get a big contract uh and if you're asking me if the Orioles are going to go out and get them, I don't know about that because they're all about value. But for Jordan Montgomery himself, um, he's rightfully earned a big contract and and would uh, be curious to see if that will be something that he'd want to stay in Texas or, or go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I, that 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 guy's gonna get paid, and really kind of just shows you how difficult it is to pitch in New York. To see that how different he's been since getting the, traded last last uh, midseason last year. Uh, some Orioles stuff we want to go over quickly with you: Brandon Hyde, Mike Elias, Gunnar Henderson. They received top honors from their peers through the Sporting News uh, yearly awards. Brandon Hyde, Manager of the Year, Michael Elias, Executive of the Year, and Gunnar Henderson, Rookie of the Year. We know these aren't the official awards. When people look back at their careers, nobody's going to remember that they won the Sporting News Accolades. Um, But how important are these awards to these recipients, knowing that they were voted upon by their peers and not by the Players Association?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think just in general, when you start to get awards and get recognized for some big accomplishments, right? You know, this, this is a uh, fantastic year for the ball club, disappointing finish, but an unbelievable season. And especially where the teams come, you know, and, and that's, that's the beauty of it. And, and I do expect, you know, when the other awards come out, it should be Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias and Gunnar Henderson Those to me should be those um, because of, of the season that the, the organization had. Um, Yeah. So I think it's just, it's a building step. It's a stepping stone. And, the goal now is, you know, you want to go out there and win more games and, and go and win a championship. That's your ultimate goal. But I think when this is going to be the first steps, or, or actually I should say the first wave of Orioles being recognized and being in these award discussions because we've talked about it. The window's now, it's been open, officially open, mm-hmm. and we think the team's only going to get better and more competitive if that's even possible. And if that's the case, then we're going to see a lot more awards and recognition like we did this past week.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think uh, Gunnar Henderson has at least one, if not multiple, MVPs that he's going to win throughout his career. It's going to be interesting to see how these careers unfold moving forward with that window as wide open as you uh, said that it is. Uh, And with that in mind, the Orioles this offseason, they have a few needs. Uh, We we all think that it's probably going to be that they need a uh, top-of-the-rotation type of starting pitcher, Um, probably another decent relief arm. And in my opinion, Ryan, I think they really need – a veteran middle-of-the-order bat, middle of the order bat to uh, kind of take some of the pressure off guys like Santander and Ryan Mountcastle. Your thoughts on what the Orioles need and how they'll, they'll go about getting those pieces this offseason?
4: Well, I've told people from the beginning, you got to identify what you want to do in-house first, right? Mm-hmm. So once you identify that, then you make a decision on how you want to uh, create your bullpen and your starting rotation. But you can never have... Uh, enough good pitching, right? So I think now I do expect the Orioles to really take a look at what that could be and what that would entail. But I've told people this as well. I don't know if the Orioles are going to go and overpay for a guy in free agency. I I really don't. Uh, But do I think the Orioles will be way more aggressive at next year's deadline? Absolutely, especially if the team's playing well. And to your point about a veteran bat, I think in general, besides just having players, and this is for pitching too, I could say, obviously the, the going out and having success is important. The mm-hmm. stats, being able to impact the game, but the veteran presence that we saw that guys like Kyle Gibson and Adam Frazier had on this ball club, James McCann, those are guys that you can't quantify with data. Sure. So I think the Orioles are definitely going to look at, is there an upgrade that we could possibly have that can plug in can be more of an impactful player and can also bring that same type of leadership to their clubhouse, I think they're, that's all going to be into it. And I'll be curious. But the Orioles, too, if you're, if people are thinking about a DH, the Orioles like being versatile. So I don't know if they're just going to go for just one bat. They're going to want guys to be able to do um, multiple roles would be my guess.
0: Now, I look at a guy like Justin Turner, uh, who I thought the Orioles should have gone after last year. And that's a guy who, who – primarily plays third base DH, is, is is this a guy who you think that the Orioles could target as a veteran infielder? Because we know they like to go after these veteran infielders because you need that in a clubhouse, especially a clubhouse with so many young players. And I think that's a guy you can slot right into the top half of your batting order. Um, you know that he's probably going to be good for 30 to 40 doubles, 20 home runs, 80 to 100 RBIs every season. Um, or is he limit, so limited defensively that that might not be a move that the Orioles think they should make?
4: So I heard everything but the name.
0: Justin Turner.
4: Justin Turner. Okay. good. I've actually been asked about Justin Turner as well. And his ability absolutely as a hitter, you know, but it goes back to the Orioles philosophy What do you want to do with your lineup? And as far as versatility, mm-hmm. we've seen how many times the Orioles DH different players from Ryan Rock, Mal- Malcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Santander, Adley Rutschman, you know, variation right so Mm -hmm. for justin turner i don't know if the orioles would be willing to have him be in the field as much just given their young talented defensive players sure and so that's where the question is but if the orioles do change it and go you know what we we think we need more offense i I think then the fit would be good because justin turner to me one of the most underrated hitters we've had over the last decade Mm -hmm. you know so i'm with you on that where he just does so many things right, yeah, and so many things that can help a team. But again, philosophy-wise, with the Orioles, are they going to want to limit themselves to a guy that most likely will be taking up a DH spot when they have so many other other players that they want to rotate in and out of the lineup?
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's a fair point, and the reason that I brought it up because he would seem like the most likely candidate, and it would be fitting to see a guy with such a mm-hmm. solid career. And his career, where it all started, um, but it, it might be a pipe dream to get Justin Turner in Baltimore for the 2024 season. Before we get, uh, before we let you get a plug here, Ryan, one last question I want to ask you: um, Being a former player, uh, what does an off season look like for a player? You know, the season ends, uh, you take some time off, and then you ramp uh, baseball activities back up. What does that look like for a player?
4: Uh man. Well, you. Uh, what I like to do right after is you know, take a couple weeks to reset, Um, maybe have some more tequila to really reset if I need to. But in general, it's it's a time of reflection. Let your body rest. Let your mind rest for a week or two. And then you slowly kind of get back into your workout routine. Some guys like to take a little bit more time off. And then probably by, you know, mid-November, you're starting to schedule and ramp yourself slowly back up. Mm -hmm. Right? And then you're you're trying to get yourself ready for february. I think that's the crazy part. I mean, we look at the teams of the World Series or the postseason teams. By the time you take your rest and relaxation time, you look up and you got about 3 months or less mm-hmm. of of time to really be ready. So that that's really what it is. And for most of those guys that 1 to 2 week period is what do I want to work on, too? You're letting your mind reset, but you're going, what did I do really well? What is going to be my focus for next year? And then you really, you know, nail that down. So um, everyone has different routines. Some guys like to take longer off, but um, that's usually what I did is mid-November things ramp up. And by the time the new year hits, uh, I'm almost in the full mode of, you know, spring training's here. I'm ready to go.
0: Uh it, it's interesting. It's it really is a full time job with, with with not much of a break. So thank you for giving us kind of that inside look at what it can be like in the off season for a player. Uh what do you got coming up in the coming weeks and what do you got in the works for us?
4: Uh well let's see. Yeah, like you said, I do the Reinerkin show every Monday and Thursday. Um, you know, obviously football's hot right now, but we still I'm still a baseball guy at heart, so we have a lot more things planned um there and and people we're going to have on and talk to uh yeah you know still doing some radio stuff with 105.7 box 45 you know and uh yeah on twitter ryan ripkin just uh you have any questions you know paul just shoot me a message and usually i try to get back uh, i love being able to interact and answer uh people's sports questions specifically baseball as much as i can
0: yeah you're really good at interacting on twitter one of the things i love about you is that you're very accessible so ryan thank you t- for taking some time on a busy saturday for yourself go enjoy some college football and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the line all right
4: yeah sounds good enjoy enjoy this uh this summer fall day i
0: guess yeah right we're, we're, i'm gonna do my best to do so all right man we'll talk to you soon see you guys see you that was Ryan Ripkin. Always great talking with Ryan. Uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge about baseball and about all yeah. sports in general. Oh, yeah. It's really incredible. Just you know, people that are athletes that that have played at the professional level, um, how in tune they are with not just their own sport but with all sports. It takes a special kind of person to be yeah. a professional athlete. You've got to you've got to know a lot about a lot. So
1: it, it's always the most interesting part to do what you just did at the very end of that interview and ask them about how they prepared and mm-hmm. what they did to their bodies to get ready. Because you don't see that. That's the right. one thing you see you see what happens on the field you hear a lot about what happens in the locker room but you don't hear about off-season preparation that's the one time where we're not going to see Adley Rutschman for the most part during mm-hmm. uh, the offseason so it's really interesting to hear how these guys get ready to go because they are they're different animals they are yeah. not they are not normal in the way they're physically composed <laughs> so right. it, it's it's very very uh interesting to hear that perspective
0: it, it, it's crazy because you know you you expect that when the season ends they maybe take a vacation. They go spend some time with family. They hit the right. golf course for for a few weeks, and then they probably get back in the gym and work out. Right. But I always just assumed that they kind of you know got through the holidays and then really started hitting and throwing programs yeah. in January. It's interesting to know that no, they get started in November. Yeah. You know they they, pro- they if they if they aren't if they um, aren't if they aren't fortunate enough to make the postseason season yeah. ends in September. Maybe they take a few weeks um, in October. Into November, and you know, just do stuff for them, and then they're right back at it.
1: And what I've always thought is really interesting is you have limits as a player on mm-hmm. what the team allows you to do in the offseason. Sure, I can't remember who it was, I think it might have been LeBron, possibly. I don't know who it was, but there was a a, a very well known player, I believe it was a basketball player, who got injured playing football a few years ago, mm-hmm. and, and the team said, No more, can't do that. Not allowed to do that. Um, and then we saw Lamar Lamar Jackson throwing a, fo- uh, throwing a football around on a beach and almost getting decked by a, a jet ski. Yeah. So I, I, you see stuff like this and you think mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it would kind of suck not to be able to do what you want to do, like it, not mm-hmm. just be able to go play pickup basketball if you're Ryan Ripken in the offseason. You can't do that. So. Well, but the, the, other,
0: the other thing is that um, when you're making that kind of money, Right, um, where, and we're talking about players that have reached the highest level. You're, yeah. ma- you're making that yeah. kind of money. You know what your body needs. You know what you need to do to get ready. Right. And you don't want to risk anything. Like I'm, I'm sure that a lot of these guys aren't thinking to themselves – I want to go play touch football. I want to go play pickup basketball. They're probably thinking, no, nah, man, I'm going to stick to baseball. That's what got me here. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, I'm going to Some maybe. I'm going to play some golf. I'm going to take some nice vacations with the fam, um, and I'm just going to get back in the gym. I'm going to get my swings in, get my throws in, and get myself ready. I can't imagine being a professional baseball player and having uh, – you might get that competitive fire, but for yeah. me, I know the way that I work out now and the way that I approach – Th- the men's Sunday 30 and over baseball <laughs> league. And, it went, and like I start hitting in January and start throwing in January. And. I have no desire to. Like, I like to play basketball. I like to play football. But the last time I played football, I separated my AC joint. Yeah. I'm not trying to do that again. And I'm not. I don't have any money on the line for it. So.
1: <laughs> Let um, me know when you start throwing this year. We'll, we'll throw the ball around a little bit. I need to get back into throwing a baseball. I miss yeah. that. I, I do miss throwing a baseball. Yeah.
0: And, it, and since we're not going to be doing the show together anymore, man. Just throwing a baseball. It, it, it's funny how how much you lose contact with people that you work with once you stop working bet, with them. I bet. I bet. And I hate it. That I, is I, the worst. I, I absolutely hate it. And you and I have developed a.
9: Oh, God. You and I
0: have developed a really nice friendship because of this no show. Doubt. No um, doubt. We, we've golfed together. You've come to my house to watch football nope. games with me. We've gone to baseball games together, um, met up at football games together. I don't want to lose that. Um, because we're not doing the show no, anymore. No, absolutely So I definitely no. want to get, even though you're living down close to D.C. now, um, I'd love to get together to throw the ball around, maybe catch a game or two. You absolutely. Know, catch a round of golf. Uh, and maybe I'll come down to you to play some golf because yeah. I've never tried golf courses down in that area. I, my, my
1: brother lives in Rockville, so decently close, and he says that Blue Mash down in Rockville, is, or Gaithersburg, Rockville area, mm-hmm. is one of the nicest courses he's ever played. So really? I'm I'm still trying to get out there at some point, but haven't felt the time let, yet.
0: Let me know when you get out there, man. Yeah, I'll, we'll play Blue Mash I'll, for I'll, sure. I'll, Blue Mash. Blue Mash. What a, what a name. Blue Mash. It's a cool name. It's yeah, cool name. It is a cool name. I like it. Blue Mash. All right. Uh, got to catch a break. I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profil- profiles the Orioles' survivors, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mountcastle, who all came from the previous regime, but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with Trip From Jim Henneman and Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from all of the college basketball programs around the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps, at PressboxOnline.com when we come back in Zach's gonna sound off on a manager who should be deserving of the Hall of Fame but we're not sure how much he really is deserving and then we'll get to some Orioles banter some baseball banter and take to rake that's next on the battle round.
5: The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half, must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com.
10: Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop
6: Why bet with the
5: big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code PRESSBOX23. So bet with the best and use promo code PRESSBOX23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
9: What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace memorabilia. The
5: next highest bouncer show is Tuesday, November 7th at Guilford Home Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by AJ Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org.
0: Welcome back in to the bat round Today's show brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, which is back for Season 3. Tyus and his special guests will join Glenn and Rita all over town throughout the season, giving you the chance to get the inside scoop and rub elbows with your favorite players. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia, and it's brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.com. Org. For more information, visit pressboxonline.com slash bowser. The next Ties Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 7th at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. I hate saying like that Gilford. name. There's so many L's and U's in there. Uh, Guilford Hall Brewery. Do you have a pen over there? This one died. Pens always die. <laughs> I wung it at him. He managed to catch it off the chest. He managed to catch it. I did catch that. <laughs> I, I I flung that thing yeah. at him. Uh I knew that the pen wasn't um open so that it wouldn't stab no, you I, in the eyeball. I, I, it's okay. Are you left handed? I am left handed. What?
1: You've never noticed that three I think, three and a half years of doing the show and he hasn't. I, noticed I that. think
0: that I noticed it one other time. Because I think I remember sitting in this chair, this exact chair, saying, "Are you left-handed?" And then being like, "You swing right-handed." Yeah, I do. I I, uh, I do a lot. I, I play golf right-handed. I swing a baseball bat right-handed. Uh, what else do I do? I, there's a couple other things. I don't need to know the other things you do. Stop. Right. Okay. All right, but, you weirdo. But you write left-handed. <laughs> do you do you yeah. play the piano left-handed?
1: I've never played the piano. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> no, I don't think it is either. Yeah, I play guitar left-handed though. Well, so,
0: uh, all right y- y- you're you ever <laughs> like seen
1: pa- like paul mccartney me and him are kindred spirits
0: yeah oh yeah um <laughs> you ever see role models when they're like you're like that one guy that that kind of knows how to play the acoustic guitar and he brings it to the campsite yeah that is me exactly i'm not good but like it's enough love take me down Here's to
1: the, the streets, streets. <laughs> i can play a number of well i shouldn't say a number i can play most like songs i like it's not going to be at a high level you you, you but you would, so it, you it's play enough. all bruce springsteen and nothing else <laughs> well sure but here's the thing you'd recognize the songs like if i'm playing i'm on fire your favorite bruce springsteen song you'd recognize it it wouldn't be high level like i'm not going to do it like bruce is, is that the hey little girl is your daddy home that's mm-hmm. the song
0: Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. golly man i sent zach a tiktok about that you sure song did he sure the did. other day and it's just like, how did that song? How would? How did they allow that song to be recorded? <laughs> <laughs> hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Need to go and leave you all alone. It, it's creepy. You
1: should hear. There's a version by. I shouldn't uh, hear it. Town Mountain, I believe, is the band's name. They're like a. They're like an Appalachian mountain band. You know, you know what I'm talking about, like the, the, the banjos and like they're kind of playing bluegrass. like a yeah blue. That's a good yes bluegrass. I should have said that. I don't know why I said Appalachian mountain band, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, like they're they they're they're a band you would see in like a brewery with IPAs and stuff, like in the middle of like North Carolina. I don't know. Point point is is that they made uh, a version of I'm on Fire that's way better than the original. It's really good. Just banjos the whole time. It's awesome.
0: There's there's no way that any version of <laughs> that song is good just because the lyrics are so criminally creepy. Cri- yeah. They br- are criminally yeah, creepy. Uh, how dare Bruce say
1: that?
5: Uh, it,
0: finally! <laughs> finally, you're on, a, you're I, on my side. Uh, I, I think we...
1: Well, I, I'm not getting into it. Yeah. I'm not getting into it. I'm not <laughs> trying to... I don't need to defend Bruce. Yeah. He's got enough money to defend himself.
0: Anyway... So start defending yourself with your uh, take for sounding off.
1: Well, actually, we we had a comment about it. I don't remember from who. Oh, it was was from AJ. It was from AJ. AJ was talking about Bruce Bochy and being the best manager of his lifetime, which, and I don't know what AJ's lifetime is. I don't know how old he is. I think that that may be an accurate statement. Three World Series, Manager of the Year, could be another... fourth world series now for bruce Bochi. and i don't believe he's lost a world series that i could be wrong i i know in, in 1998 it's it's possible bruce bocci did but i can't remember he was there yeah he was he was a, he was a manager of the
0: padres one. and they got swept by the Yankees. this was
1: information i learned like three minutes ago so uh i but bruce bocci has actually career more losses than he does wins uh but that's not i, I wouldn't say that's all that uncommon for for a lot of Hall of Fame managers. They, if you manage over four thousand games, like Bruce Bochy has, and he's won over two thousand of them, you're going to lose some games uh, in, in those stretches as well. And what's interesting about Bruce Bochy, and we talked about this last week on the show, the the Giants won f- what was it three times in five seasons. Mm-hmm. But the two seasons that d- they didn't win were second and third place finishes. It wasn't they like even they even they post went season. to the playoffs, right? They didn't go to the playoffs. They didn't go far. So it. it it's really interesting that he gets to the playoffs and he just wins. That's what Bruce Bochy does. He goes through right now, they're they're in the playoffs, they're, they're one up against the Diamondbacks. He won three times with the Giants in the span of five years. Bruce Bochi is going to be a Hall of Famer. But do you agree, Paul, with AJ's statement that he is one of the best managers in your lifetime?
0: No. Okay. No, because, look, what he's done has been incredible. But my lifetime spans... Maybe a little bit longer than AJ's. I, was, I don't know. I'm not sure how I, I have no idea how old AJ is. He, he, he's up there, but, I mean, Joe Torre. Joe Torre managed in my lifetime. You know, uh, he took his team to the World Series in 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2003. Um, I, I think they went again in 2006 but lost. Um, no, they didn't go in 2006. They went in 03. And then I think they went again in 08 when they lost to the Phillies. That I think right. it, I think it yeah, was. That sounds right. Um and then uh, but I don't know that he was a manager in 08. I know Joe Girardi he may have. been. I think he was a manager in 08. I, I
1: think I think Girardi came around in 09 if Yeah, I Gi- Girardi
0: won the World Series in 09 and that was his first season, I believe. Um but I'm yeah, a, I'm gonna check on that. I think that's right. I think but that's yeah, right. I, I mean, uh, they were they were one of the greatest dynasties of my lifetime, and Joe Torre was at the helm the entire way. Uh, uh, Davey Johnson uh, will always hold a special place in my heart, though we he only won World Series that one one he won one World Series, and I was two when he won that World Series. Um, but Bruce Bochy, he's got to be up there. I mean, when you when you look at it, um, you know, Bruce Bochy, Bob Melvin, guys like that. Um, and Joe Torre to me is the best manager of my lifetime and then Bruce Bochy it'd be hard to pick him um, lower than second or third so uh,
1: Girardi came in in 08 for the Yankees I thought it was 09 but it was 08 and okay. he won the World Series in 09 uh, Girardi though if you look at Girardi and I, I would think most people consider him a, a great manager I mean over a thousand wins in his career Bruce Bochy has around a thousand more that should just put it into perspective of how great of a manager Bruce Bochy was. And you look at uh, Girardi, and, and you say, okay, he was a, you know Yankees manager for the majority of his career until he got to Philly in 2020. But, man, that's really impressive to have over a 1,000 more wins and a, a few more years tacked onto his belt as well than, than Joe Girardi. But that's really impressive. Bruce Bochy, I'm assuming this will be his last year managing. I would think so. Uh, there was an article that came out about him yesterday where his wife was... Against the decision, apparently, to go back and manage, he wasn't the happiest person about that because he hadn't managed since 2019 with the uh, the Giants when he left there. It's it, I don't know. I, this could be his last year. He's getting up there.
0: Um, I mean, but it's his first year in Texas, and what yeah. kind, what kind of a contract do you are, do? You have his page open. What kind of a contract I, did, I, did he I sign? I don't know. I
1: don't know how easy it is to find manager contracts, but like I, for example, I'm not sure we know the concrete terms of Brandon Hyde's contract, but I. I can definitely look into that.
0: Um, yeah, we, we have no... We don't... It's probably the most um, close to the vest thing about the Orioles with... It, it, it. Probably in all of baseball is the contract status of um, uh, Brandon Hyde and Michael
8: Apparently,
1: he signed through 25. That's what an article from Dallas News says. So, apparently, he, he is going to be signed through 25. But I can't imagine he's managing much longer. He could take his fourth World Series ring if they do win. And that's I, I would think that's both our expectations here. And he goes down... Uh, you know, maybe not the top in your lifetime, but certainly one of them. Certainly one of them. a Four World Series under his belt—that would be pretty unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you figure four World Series under his belt, five World Series appearances—that's a hell yeah. of a winning percentage. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, he's he's definitely a Hall of Famer. People yeah. aren't going to look at that losing record because uh, you'd have to go back. I mean, he was managing the San Diego Padres in the '90s, and they were right. really bad until they weren't in '98. Uh, the more
1: I thought about that, I said. Look, if you're going to manage over four thousand games, 2, you know twenty one hundred or so losses is not going to be an uncommon thing. That's just the way it goes.
0: Look at look at Buck Showalter and how much we love him here in Baltimore. Yeah, and how much winning he did with the Orioles for five years. His overall record in Baltimore is a losing record because of how bad they were in, in twenty eighteen. So you could look at Buck and you could say, oh, he wasn't a great manager. He was under 500 in Baltimore. Well, he came to Baltimore in 2010 when they were lousy. They were lousy again in 2011 because they didn't have the roster to be good. And then they were really good from 2012 through 2016. And then they were really bad. They were mediocre in 2017 and really bad in 2018. Um, He had more... Good, seat, good teams, far more good teams than bad teams in Baltimore. But the bad teams were so bad that it, that the, it overshadows uh, record-wise what he was able to accomplish right. in Baltimore. So it's one of those things, man. Where you look at Bruce Bochy. Bo, Bruce Bochy. Do you have? Do you still have his page pulled up? No, I just pulled up Buck Showalter's actually. Okay,
1: and, and seventeen hundred wins for Buck Showalter, and twenty twenty seven seventeen twenty seven for uh, Showalter, and sixteen six. What was it? 1,665 losses for Showalter. That's a 509 winning percentage. Really good. But again, Bruce Bochy's got to be in that category. But it's just, you, you look at that and you go, that's incredible considering the Buck Showalter has never even managed a World Series game.
0: Well, I mean, and you you look at Bruce Bochi and you look at the teams that he managed. I mean, he he managed the Padres from 95 through, two, through 2006. And they had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven losing seasons in those in those 12 uh, 12 years that he was there. And that's not really through fault of his owner maybe it is and maybe he got better because of that. Then you look, he goes to the Giants and the Giants weren't a good team until uh, in 2007 and 2008. But then after that, he didn't have another losing season until 2017 when they were just awful. Boy, I didn't realize they were 64 and 98 in 2017.
1: By the way, Bruce Bochy did what Bob Melvin just did. Went from the Padres to the Giants in 2006 and 2007. Bob Melvin goes to yeah. the the Giants. So something that's interesting. that
0: we haven't even touched on is right. that Bob Melvin was granted access by his by the Padres, and this was his second season with the Padres, and they granted was him. Was it his second? I thought it was his first. No, he he managed them. Um, was it his first? Are you sure?
1: I'm gonna look this up
0: because I think it was his second. Because I think that we expected them to be a lot better going into 2022 with Bob Melvin as the new manager, and they ended up going to the postseason, and making it to the NLCS, and losing to the Phillies. Um, and then they were just awful this year. They got back. You're right. It was yeah, the second. They got back to 500 this year, but it took a monstrous uh, September for them to get just to get back to 500 on the season. Um, it's it's kind of mind blowing to me. That they would allow Bob Melvin to go speak with the Giants and then sign with them, it's Bob Melvin
1: has now been with the Mariners, the Diamondbacks, the A's, the Padres, and now the Giants. Uh, that's a lot of teams and, and mm-hmm. a managerial career in only how many years? Twenty years. I mean, that's that's a long time, but that's a lot of teams as well to be around.
0: Yeah, it's like an, it's an average it's of four years per team.
1: Very odd to me. Very odd to me that they let him go in division.
0: Yeah, I very I, odd to me. I don't under, there had to have been, um, maybe the front office interfered with how he wanted to manage. Yeah. Maybe they were, there were things that they want to do with the roster that he's not on board with. And he's like, look, if you're going to tear this roster apart, I signed on to take the, to make this roster the best it can be. And if this is what you're planning on doing, I can't stand by that. And they were like, look, then you can go elsewhere. Right. Type type of right. situation. I have to we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, but I can't imagine that with that roster and with that uh, the talent that they have there and the fact it's only his second season right that there wasn't something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that, and, that, that and, where they would let him go and you just drop him in division to yeah. the, the Padres it's not like for he, nothing like we saw Lou Panella get traded from the Mariners to to the Rays yeah. you didn't even do that you just let him go. Right.
1: Right. Uh, I don't know. There's something else to it. I think you're right. There's something else to it. There's
0: got to be. There's something that happened behind the scenes. Right. um, And I actually want to look that up uh, during our third break and see if there's an article that has to
1: be. I didn't see anything. I I could be wrong. I I haven't been that in tune with the news as of late, but I haven't seen anything st- stick out to me I, it's 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 very odd and it's it, it's also odd that the, the Oakland A's uh let him go in the first place I thought because he's a really good manager and, mm-hmm. and managed them to many many 90 win seasons and a lot of high 80s win seasons well
0: they knew what they were doing
1: they, they were rebuilding and it makes sense I always just think that that's a a very my, my thought process through this whole thing is that that would be a very good guy to lead a rebuild a yeah. very good guy to lead a and they let him go and so well,
0: the the well the athletics they They weren't rebuilding; they were tearing it down down. for the sale of the team, so they could move to Vegas. And that's why they let Bob Melvin go. Yeah, that's why it it was
1: probably inevitable at some point. But now he's now he's with San Francisco. Gabe Kapler is out there. We never really touched on that. I don't think he got fired. He got fired. Yeah, Uh, Gabe Kapler. He's okay. I don't really feel one way or the other about Gabe Kapler.
0: Obviously, he got fired. Bob Melvin's a manager. For some reason, I'm thinking Bob Melvin as a GM in that instance. But you have to imagine that if Bob Melvin's willing to take a job with the San Francisco Giants, that they plan on making some moves this offseason. Yeah, and, and and I wonder if Shohei Otani's at the top of their list. It's got to be. He has to be.
1: So if we want to talk about Otani for a second, I'd be happy to. Because you look at... I would think there's three possible destinations. Mm-hmm. I would think... It's not going to be the Angels, first of all. He's not going back there. I don't I don't think there's any...
0: They haven't proven to, to him that they can win.
1: I don't think there's any chance. So I look at it as, well, I guess I'll throw in four. I think there's two East Coast teams and two West Coast teams. I think you're looking at the Dodgers and the Giants, mm-hmm. and then the Mets and the Yankees.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves were in the running.
1: Yeah, you might be right. You might be right.
0: Um, I don't think the Mets are willing to spend like that. Right now, yeah, th- I, I, yeah, I I think that they I I think overall they are, but apparently they pulled when they talked to Max Scherzer before they traded him. He agreed to the trade because they told him, and they could have lied to his face just again to agree to the trade. No, yeah. um, but they told him we're probably looking more like twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six yeah. to ramp things back up, not next season. Um, and with that in mind, he's like, I'm I'm out of here. And it looks like he made the right choices in the World Series. I mean,
1: Otani's a guy to build around, though. So yeah. if you're able to get him in, in in New York, but I don't know if Steve Cohen's going to come up to the table again with a $300 million contract, and it's going to be well over 300 this time. It's going to be probably... 500 to $600 million. Uh, Yeah, at minimum, I think. Because, it's going to be look, incredibly expensive. You're,
0: you're paying for this guy, and he's not going to pitch for you in 2024. Right. But he's going to pitch for you in 2025, 2026, 2027. Like right. he, He's going to pitch for you after this coming season. Yep. Um, Otani's going to get a bag. It might not be the same bag, but it very well could be because yeah. of the future. Um, I also think the Padres could be in it for him. but Maybe. And But you would think that, that, would, that would be why they're so willing to not bring Soto back. I was going to say, so Soto seems like he's on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Man, would that be
1: a good pickup for the Orioles. Man, would that be a good pickup. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should. But, I, man, that would be really nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, would, yeah. that that would be really nice. So let's I, let's let's
0: uh let's talk about the Orioles a little bit sure. here. All right, because uh our Orioles banter segment we're looking at the Orioles 26-man roster, right? And kind of making our predictions, our way too early predictions for the 26-man roster for 2024. Um and you look at opening day uh, and their 26-man roster. Right-handed pitchers, Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, Felix Bautista, Kyle Bradish, Kyle Gibson, Logan Gillespie, Dean Kramer, Austin Both, Tyler Wells. Left-handed pitchers, Keegan Aiken, D- Danny Coulomb, Cole Irvin, and C.N.L. Perez. Catchers, Anthony Benboom and Adley Rutschman. Infielders, Adam Frazier, Gunnar Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Ryan Mountcastle, Ramon Urias, and Taryn Vavra. And then for outfielders, Austin Hayes, Ryan McKenna, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and Kyle Stowers. Then you look at the postseason roster. Similar, but different. Right-handed pitchers, Brian Baker, Kyle Bradish, Yenier Cano, Jack Flaherty, Kyle Gibson, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Jacob Webb, Tyler Wells. Left-handed pitchers, Danny Coulomb, D.L. Hall, C.N.L. Perez. Catchers, James McCann, Adley Rutschman. And then... For your infielders, Adam Frazier, Gunnar Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Ramona Rios, Jordan Westberg, and outfielders, Austin Hayes, Aaron Hicks, Heston Kerstad, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander. So a lot of the same players, but a lot of different players um, from opening day to the postseason. Let's look at what we think this roster could look like for 2024. Um, Assuming that these are the guys that are in-house, right? We know that Jack Flaherty's gone, right? Yeah, you would think. We we know Jack Flaherty's (laughs) gone, and we're pretty sure Kyle Gibson's gone, right? Yeah. So, we can take them off. Brian Baker, is he here? Yes, but
1: I don't think he makes the opening day roster. I think he'll be in AAA.
0: I agree. I agree. Well... Uh, look, I could see him being part of a trade. I don't think he makes yeah. the opening day roster. Is he
1: really that valuable to be a part of a trade? I don't think I, so. I think that the Orioles clearly see something because they put him on the postseason roster for God was a, knows what reason.
0: Oh, God, I hate him so uh, much. Uh,
1: that was... Oh, yeah, you're, you're not a fan. That was maybe the Orioles' most questionable executive decision all year. Well, to, and also to using a roster
0: spot for Heston Kerstad, who didn't even get in the back.
1: Yeah, he didn't get... Yeah, yeah. And a, and a guy that clearly, very evidently, you don't trust in the outfield.
0: Yeah, very evident. And, and apparently, the reviews weren't good on him at first base. Right. Um. But look, if you want versatility in your DH spot, you're gonna have to start trusting him in the outfield. I right. think he's. I, I think they trust him in the outfield. I think they just trusted other guys more. Yeah. It's so, possible. so now you're looking: Kyle Bradish, yir Cano, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Jacob Webb, Tyler Wells. I think that though, all those Jacob Webb might be the most questionable, but for now, I think he'll he'll still be here. Yeah, Jacob Webb will be there. Three, four, five, six, seven. So that number goes from nine to seven. Left-handed pitchers. Danny Coulomb, he'll be here. D.L. Hall, he'll be here. C.N.L. Perez, he'll be here. But I think we add John Means to that.
1: Yeah, John Meese, and, and the role is questionable. We don't know starter, reliever. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to roll him out there as a starter. But oh he, no, he, they're going to roll him out there as a starter. Yeah, the, the only thing that would change that is if they go out and sign a few guys in, in, in free agency, and that could possibly change. But I don't think that.
0: I think he's a number three. Yeah, and I'm going to add Cole Irvin to this list. I think that he's going to fill that role that Austin votes
1: interesting. By the way, when Stan started talking about Cole Irvin, I brought up the numbers for Hernandez. I think, and I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I think he hit 328 in the minors this year. He was good. Oh, really? He, he was good. The OPS was in the the 800s, if I can say it correctly, somewhere. Daryl Hernays had a really good year. Not going to be a big power guy, but he's still developing. This could be a dangerous kid in a few years for Oakland.
0: How do you spell his first name? Is D-A-R-R-E-L. D-A-R-R-E-L-L? It's two, two R's, two L's. Yeah. Let's see. Did I spell his last name incorrectly? Is it, is it with an S? No,
1: it's with a Z. Daryl Hernays.
0: That's what I thought, but he's
1: not listed I'll, here I'll pull them up on, on the, uh, the the page here Oh it's 1R you 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 actually I'm wrong. Um, the slash line was 321, 386, 456, 841 for Daryl Hernays.
0: And he hit, he in 60 games at AAA, he slashed 300, 376, 418, 794. Yeah, really good numbers. Yeah, not good enough to be here.
1: No, not good enough to be here. You
0: know, the, the guys that we have here, it's not like the Orioles traded the guy who's like, oh man, you mortgage your future. They, yeah, they no, were willing no, no, to get no. rid of Daryl Hernays because there were a couple years ago where he would have been one of their top prospects, but right. now he's their sixth best infield prospect. Um, uh, like Gunner... Uh, Westberg, Holiday, Ortiz, Norby—they're ahead of him. Right, right. Yes. So it's it's one of those things where you got to give up something to get something, and in the Orioles' case, he gave up something, but it wasn't something to them. Right. Um. So left-handed pitcher—you got right hand—you've got eleven pitchers, right-handed, left-handed. Catchers: James McCann, Adley Rutschman—that stays the same. They're both under contract. Uh. Infielders: Adam Frazier. We hope we know that he's gone. You would think. Um, Gunnar Henderson, duh. Jorge Mateo.
1: Yes, he'll be here.
0: You think so? You yeah. think he'll be on the roster? I think
1: Brandon Hyde really likes Jorge Mateo. Does, I,
0: I don't even think he has options left. I think he really likes him too, but I don't know that you can roster him anyway. Well,
1: again, I think it's gonna depend on what they do. If they sign a guy for the middle infield, then he's gone. But I don't know how probable that is because of Jackson Holiday, Jordan Westburg, and Connor Norby, and the wealth of other guys they have. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
0: I think they really like his speed and his I, defense. I think
1: Mateo's gonna be here until June. And then they're going to get rid of him. That's my plan.
0: Okay. Um, I think that he offers enough from a defense and speed standpoint and, yeah. and against left-handed pitching that he'll be here. So I'll, I'll agree with you. Ryan Mountcastle, yes. Ryan O'Hearn, yes. Ramona Rios, I think he's gone.
1: Yeah. I, think, I, I would I, say I think, more than likely. I think
0: he's, he's probably going to be traded um, for like minor league depth. I think he's gone because I don't think they envision a spot for him. And his defense really got worse. I, he hits too many ground balls. Right. Um, I,
1: I I see very minimal value there at this point with, with Arias. He he's a filler player. He's a below average starter at best. I, I yeah. There's no value left yeah. there. I don't think.
0: So that's five infielders and then outfielders. Austin Hayes, yes. Aaron Hicks, I don't think he's here. No, I don't. Think I so think so that he I think that he thinks he can get a full time gig someplace else. Heston Kerstad, yes. Cedric Mullins, yes. Uh, Anthony Santander, yes.
1: Well, I don't want to spoil anything from uh, my show with Connor Newcomb, but I was on, and we, we had a little bit of an outfield discussion. I won't name the players exactly. But one of the conclusions that I came away with on that show on the Lockdown Orioles podcast is that I do think one of these current outfielders, not including Aaron Hicks and not including Heston Kerstad or Connor, uh, Colton Kowser, excuse me, I think one of Hayes, Mullins, or Santander. Is going to be on the move this year. You think so? In the offseason or at the trade deadline. One of them is going to be gone in the near future.
0: But do you think that they'll be on the opening day roster?
1: Most likely, but I, I think one of them could be replaced. I, I think specifically with. Hmm, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to say. The big question the Orioles are going to have to ask is. Are Heston at and Colton Cowser more than what these guys are giving you? As, as Cedric Mullins is the one that probably has the biggest target on his back right now because of the way he hit down the stretch.
0: But who's going to replace him? It's it's that really guy's tough. not it's, anywhere it's, close really to organization yet. Yeah. And um, who are you going to find to play better defense than Austin Hayes in left field? Play great. Everybody talks about how Colton Cowser can play all three outfield positions. Yeah, sure, but he took, in my opinion, circuitous routes to the baseball. Yeah, and Austin Hayes. Look, if Austin Hayes is a guy who consistently hits 7th in your order, right, I can live with that. Right. I can live with him being here because of the defense. He's probably not going to win the gold glove this year. I think Stephen Quan no. will probably win it again. Um, But he's a finalist. And if you told me at the beginning of the year, Austin Hayes is going to hit 275 this year with 16 home runs, nearly 40 doubles, and nearly 80 RBIs, and play gold glove caliber defense, I would have signed up for that in blood. Yeah, he, right? he was really good. He, yeah, he, he, he was it, really good. If but, you, Now, if you had told me that he was going to do that by falling off a cliff the second half again, I would not have signed up for that. Right. It, it, he's got to be able to prove that he can stay healthy for a full season. And now this, this is two years in a row where we saw him on fire for the first three months of the season. I mean, he was the American League's leading hitter going into the All-Star break. And then he lost 30 points in his batting average in three weeks.
1: So Connor brought this up on, on the show we did about Austin Hayes, and he said that... Uh before June twenty first, he went in slashing three twenty seven. Not slashing three twenty seven, but hitting three twenty seven after two thirty yep. to, to the finish line.
0: He was hitting three eighteen at the all-star yeah. break. Yeah. And within three weeks, his average dropped all the way down to two eighty eight.
1: Brutal. He he really dropped off a cliff. And that's Austin Hayes. That's the story of this guy. So him, Cedric Mullins, I, I think they unfortunately have targets on their backs because of their inability this year to keep it going for the whole campaign.
0: Yeah, well, I think that Cedric Mullins, because of how good he was before he got hurt, because of the, true, the, the he defense was very good. and the stolen base ability, I don't think he has a target on his back. Okay, I think he's the Orioles' plan at center field until somebody else comes to take that job from him. You could absolutely uh, be right. Yeah. I think that Austin Hayes has a target on his back, but I think that the Orioles know that he has mastered playing left field in Camden Yards, and you can't take that's that for true. granted. That's true. You can't take that for granted. So you look at this, and now we need we have... Four players that we need to add to this roster for opening day. Uh, in the infield, I, well, we'll start at right handed pitcher: Kyle Bradish, Yenier Cano, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Jacob Webb, Tyler Wells. Well,
1: hmm. let me let me look at this. Is this in your notes?
0: The, uh, uh, well, I've I've edited my notes at this point. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Say
1: the names again. That was too many to remember. One Kyle time. Bradish. Okay. Yenier Cano. Yeah.
0: Dean Kramer. Yes. Grayson Rodriguez. Yes. Jacob Webb. Yeah. Tyler Wells. Yeah. Oh, that's only six. One, yeah. There, two, there's one. Three, four, there's one. Five, there's, one five, there's one missing. Six. Oh. Um. Kyle Bradish. Yannir Cano. Well. Dean Kramer. Grayson Rodriguez. Jacob Webb. Tyler Wells. That's that's six. So we actually have five players to
1: add. We could we could factor in as well here the fact that there's probably someone coming in from free agency. Yeah. So, so as far as a righty.
0: So maybe Shane maybe Shane Bieber. He's a righty, right? Yes, he is. So maybe uh, we've heard that we've heard Shane Bieber linked to the Orioles all off uh, hmm. since the Orioles have been done. Um, but we won't put his name. We'll just put a we'll put a free agent.
1: I don't even know how i feel about that, if I'm being honest with you, because Shane Bieber was really good 2 years ago and has been okay since he lost 4 miles an hour in his fastball more or less and he hasn't been the same since. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He he's good. He's really good. I don't know.
0: So we'll we'll put a free agent there. Sure. Throw one in. We'll we'll probably put I don't know, man. <laughs> this is hard. I, uh, yeah, without th- seeing it on paper, it's, it's yeah, hard. yeah. It's this is this is really hard. So we know for a fact these twenty one guys are going to be on the team. Um, as far as left handed pitchers, I think that you can include Tucker Davidson. Probably depends I, I, on spring training. I think that you can include Tucker Davidson um, because I think that they really like his splitter, and I think that they'll they'll make it a point all off season to work yeah. with him. And cool, you know, you know what? I'm gonna put Fuji on this list.
1: Interesting. Well, he's not even under contract yet. So, but I think but, but I think that I think he
0: okay. I think he will be back. Okay. Um I don't think they would have traded for him if they didn't plan on bringing him back. Um Yeah, and that's I think that, that, that the arm is too elite um with given like how hard he can throw in the stuff that he has, I think that they view his arm as too elite to let him go and you can probably get him back for about 3 million again. Um So there's yeah. there's Fuji and then we'll put a free agent Um, So that's going to get you up to eight right-handed hitters. Um, Tucker Davidson, that gets you up to five left-handed pitchers, and that's 13. Okay. Uh, That's that's 13 pitchers right there. Right where we want to be. Catchers, James McCann, Adley Rutschman. That's what it is, unless somebody gets hurt, right? Um, Infielders, Gunnar Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Jordan Westberg. Do you add... Joey Ortiz and Jackson Holiday. I, I think
1: Jackson Holiday is making the opening day roster. Yeah, I think he is. Too. I, I think he is.
0: So that's Jackson Holliday. And do you think Joey Ortiz? If you hmm. think that he and Jorge Mateo battle it out in spring training for that utility yeah, I, spot? Yeah, I,
1: I, I would put just in your notes and in everyone's heads. I would put a, a a slash there where it's either Joey Ortiz or Jorge Mateo. I, I don't I don't think it's going to be both.
0: Okay. So it's one of those two.
1: Yeah, I think it's one or the other. I, I don't. I just don't see it
0: being both. All right. So you've got six infielders. So now that puts us up at nineteen. Did you say Ryan no, O'Hearn? No, I did. Okay. Um. So you have. I'm sorry. That's eight and thirteen. Twenty one. Austin Hayes, Heston kurstad Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander. One of these guys is going to DH, which means you need a fourth outfielder. Is Colton Kalzer, that outfielder?
1: Probably. Now, I, I don't if, think on opening day.
0: If Colton kalzer is on this team, I agree with you that one of these guys yeah. is being traded. Yeah. Heston Kersat, I think, is on this opening day roster. I agree with that as well. Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander. Now, Anthony Santander, and when we had Connor Newcomb on the show last week, we talked about this. What they do with him is going to be really foreshadowing yeah. what's going to happen with this organization moving forward. He's due about... Twelve and a half to thirteen million. Yeah, this coming season through arbitration, do you extend him? Do you pay him arbitration or do you trade him?
1: I'd pay him arbitration.
0: If and if you trade him, what does that mean for the organization? I think I wouldn't like that. I think he means too much to this organization right now as a player and as a clubhouse presence. I think he's he's here. I think the most yeah. likely guy to get traded is Austin Hayes, and I'm still not sure about that. I, I would agree with that too. I don't think Ryan McKenna's here. I think
1: that 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 ship has sailed. I don't think there's room. It, it's it's like Taron Valver for me, where that ship has probably sailed.
0: Right. And do you maybe use Connor Norby or Jordan Westberg in the outfield? Can they play the outfield for you? Or um, Kobe Mayo? Or. Uh, Kobe Mayo, I think they'd rather have him play first base. That's other guy. I don't think Kobe Mayo, Mayo is here Not to, to, day. to start the season, but I think he makes it here in 2024. Right. You also have to look at the fact that Connor Norby uh, hit 29 home runs two years ago. He yeah. hit like 27 this year, and he set a franchise record for hits at Norfolk. He's been really good yeah. and nobody talks about him because well, of Westberg and Gunner.
1: And it probably goes without saying, but you're looking at the June 1st roster being significantly different and well more indicative of the actual Orioles than the opening day roster. Right. I, I don't know how indicative it will be. You look back in the opening day roster, you put in your notes, and it's not very indicative to me of what sure. the, the 2023 Orioles looked like. So the 2024 Orioles will look completely different on June 1st, perhaps maybe a month later in July 1st, but you're looking at a number of these guys, Kobe Mayo, the possibility of Jackson Holiday being up at some point and probably on opening day, but that's not set in stone, obviously. There's a few X factors that are going to be here that are going to make the team probably a little weaker on opening day, but stronger when it comes to June and July.
0: I'm going to put Connor Norby on this list. Okay, I like that. That's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put him on this list. And I, be, I do
1: think Ortiz will be here, too, the more I think about it.
0: Because of the fact that I believe that one of Norby. Or, and Westberg will be in the outfield, and I think it's more likely to be Norby because I think Westberg yeah. has more defensive versatility in the infield. I agree. Norby is a second baseman and eh, as a second yeah, baseman. Yeah, yeah. So, I uh, agree with but that. I, but I think that they will use both of those guys at different points in the outfield. Totally. So right now, if we're looking, we're stating that the Orioles are going to have six or seven infielders four or five outfielders, two catchers, five left-handed pitchers, eight right-handed pitchers, and the only free agents that we're accounting for are Fuji, um and another addition. Right. Another addition. I have to imagine that the Orioles are going to bring in another veteran. Uh, bat yeah but I, if we're, but we have no idea what that looks like right
1: now. I, I would say a free agency class for the orioles looks like and this includes trades too free agency and trades combined i think you're bringing in roughly three guys
0: yeah i would imagine i think i think you're yeah. bringing in um a veteran presence um but maybe a little bit better than a, a um a, like an adam fraser type of signing right um I'm th- i think you're bringing and maybe it's a first baseman i don't know
1: yeah i, I think you're doing exactly what you did with fraser and gibson where you're getting a veteran position player and a veteran pitcher, but, but they're you're upgrading upgrades. in both places. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think that they're going to bring in another reliever. Yeah, I, I have to imagine. I, I like they're that They're going to bring in another reliever. So, um, but this is mostly, mostly in house, and we, so we know that this is inaccurate. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> right. it's it's October twenty eighth. We know that this is inaccurate. Right. Um, but we have no idea what—we don't even know all the free agents that are going to be out there, who's going to opt out, who's going to opt in, um, who's going to be available on a trade. Uh, ask us again in January, after the winter meetings, and we'll be able right. to better tell you. I,
1: I'm going to tell you right now, too. One of the guys we just mentioned as a lock is not going to be a lock. It hey, always uh, happens that way.
0: Dean Kramer, for me— Very well could be the is guy. A, is a guy who the Orioles have been like, you know what, you're good, but you're, uh, you're not—
1: it happens every year where you look back in March and you say, wow, that guy in October who we thought was going to be on this team 100% is nowhere close to being on this team. Mm-hmm. He's either traded or he didn't make the roster or he got DFA'd or whatever it is. Sure. There's so many things that could have happened nobody saw. Nobody saw Ryan O'Hearn. Right. You're, and yeah, and yeah. he's a
0: finalist for the MLBPA uh, Comeback Player of the Year. Nobody saw him right. being on this team and, and being the, the playing the role that he played. You, we thought it was going to be Franchi Cordero or Josh Lester. Right. Um. And it was friggin' Ryan O'Hearn. But we can look
1: back in and, and, and March and say, wow, Santander is gone. Never could have seen that coming in October. Yeah. yeah. It's just that's There's, the way it goes.
0: Yeah, I thought I legitimately thought Joey Ortiz was going to make this team out of spring training. And I thought, yeah. that, I thought that one of, or if not both, of Jorge Mateo and Ramona Rios were going to be traded by the end of spring training. Right. I thought one of those guys was right. definitely gone. And they both made it the entire season. On this roster somehow, right. so um, we got to catch our final break when we come back in. We'll close things out with take to rake and final thoughts. Uh, that's next on the batter
6: round.
7: killing all viruses allergens and bacteria aj michaels heating and air conditioning in baltimore and annapolis ajmichaels.com
10: gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience but there are risks involved if you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer know your limit stay within it set a budget and a time to stop
6: Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today.
9: What's up everyone? It's Tyus Bowser and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of press box and great ace memorabilia. The
5: next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 7th at Guilford Home Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by AJ Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org.
7: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mountcastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Eneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball Programs around the state press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com welcome
0: back in to the Bat-A-Round. I feel like the music for that break coming back in should have been the final countdown. Since we're in the final countdown on shows for the batter round. Man, the more I think about it, the sadder it makes me. Like well we've had a couple of times in this show where we've alluded to, you know off season shows and then realized yeah. crap, that's not a thing. Yeah. You well know, uh, you know, um hopefully there's
1: some outlet where we can still talk baseball in some capacity. Um so wh- hopefully you're able to figure that out with uh, with with Pressbox, and we'll get something going here. yeah, and even if even, happens, if, even if I'm
0: not, I'll still do something on my own. you know, yeah. I, my my broadcasting career in baseball got started with a YouTube show in my basement.
1: Yeah, you were doing payoff pitch. that that's what that was that with. was a payoff pitch,
0: yeah. and that moved over to um, Utah suit report, and then when they didn't want to do another season because they wanted they um, uh, Tony over at uh, Utah suit report, love Tony. um, He wanted to do to take things in a different direction, Mm -hmm. um, as far as kind of just doing like um like little five minute videos here and there, and we I had a different vision. Um, fourth than he did but I was willing to do what he wanted to do and then the pandemic hit and he didn't really want me to come he, not not me but he didn't really want to do another show gotcha. with, with a shortened season yeah. so like, I started here and you know the rest is history and soon this show is history and that hurts my heart <laughs> that's um, a weird way to
1: put
0: it <laughs> no, but, depressing way to put it well yeah but it's the, it's history because of the fact that we're both um moving on to bigger yes. and I don't want to say better things yeah, well yeah bigger and better things in our lives this show is very important to us but you know you're focusing on grad school and an incredible internship and i'm focusing on starting a family yeah. you know um and so things like this that we love have to fall by the wayside until we're able to
1: unfortunately it, it comes a time where you only have room for so many commitments in your life exactly and when you feel like you can't fulfill those commitments the way you want to be able to fulfill them that's when you have to unfortunately let them go exactly that, that's the unfortunate part about it
0: our ted talk is brought to you by <laughs> my daughter who is? Oh, here we go. 29 weeks
1: old. This is the bu- this is the best part of the baby. And is every week. the
0: size of a head of let. Uh, I'm sorry, a head of cauliflower.
1: Today, <laughs> that's so, like not that bit much bigger than a head of lettuce. Last
0: week she was the size of a head of lettuce, and the week before that was the size of a head of cabbage. That's all the same size. They're basically all the same <laughs> size. Um, she is 15 and a half to 16 inches. She's two and a half to three pounds. So she's like cooking. She's cooking in there, She's man. She's cooking. She, um, we have we have another sonogram on the uh, next Friday, uh, November third. Very excited about that, and um, very excited that it's the time is coming very soon. Uh, where she will be here. Speak about
1: commitments. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's the, one. The biggest one, right? Yeah.
0: Um, she will be here, and I'm very excited about that. Hopefully, she weighs more than three pounds at that point, because um, that would be pretty scary. She's going to be... I, 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 I was talking to my wife. I, I She's going to be... I think she's going to be a six to seven pound baby. Is that big? I don't know. I think it's a normal size. Normal I, I was seven pounds, 12 ounces. My, all, my niece and nephew, uh, my very first niece and nephew, they were like both under six were pounds. You a, were
1: you a big kid? No. No, okay. I had
0: a giant head, but my head's basically been the same <laughs> since I was born.
1: Um, wow. you yeah. had a
0: giant head. A giant head. Um, all right. So it is time now for Take to Rick. And Zachary Allen Goodman took Jose Altuve. Last can't, week. can't imagine that one well. Um, I took Jordan Alvarez. And Luke Jackson took Kyle Schwarber. They all only played, um, well, Schwarber played three games. Altuve and Alvarez played two games. They all played well. Altuve, in two games, he went four for 10. He slashed 400, 400, 800, 1200. So no walks. He had one double, one home run, one ribeye stake, and one stolen base. Jordan Alvarez, Alvarez five for seven. 714 778 1000 17 1778 he had one triple um four singles two ribeyes, two walks two strikeouts and um no stolen bases um and then Kyle Schwarber he went 3 for 9 a double a homer four walks three strikeouts 333 539 Uh seven seventy eight thirteen sixteen. Okay. I think I won. Yeah, it's fine. He hits he hit seven fourteen. Yeah. And I don't think I don't I don't (laughs) think it matters. I think think it's like my sixth win all season. Yeah. So
1: I, I think we don't even have to count it up. I believe I won this year. I, I I believe that's the case. I don't. I don't I'd imagine I'll still
0: go through it just okay. to just to do it. Um, because last year I thought you won and I ended up winning.
1: It, it I don't. It's probably not as wide of a margin we think it is, but I do think that I. I think you I, won. I, finally, by, I, I think, finally won this year.
0: I think you won by a good bit. N- maybe maybe not. You know.
1: Unfortunately, we, we we have the categories for the for Ryan and the guests. Yet we don't actually give them wins. Really, they don't actually have a chance to win at all. Like we, we Well, the
0: the overall guest if the overall. If overall our guests have more wins than we do, true. Then we would give the win to the guests that had the most wins. Yeah. Right. Which will probably Fair. be somebody like Ryan or Luke or Connor, guys who are on the show right, you know, a handful of times throughout the year. Right. Um but I, I think that you ran away with this thing this year. Probably last year I, yeah. I was I was I was sure of it and it ended up I beat you by by about three. Wow. This year, um I I would not be surprised if you beat me by six or more. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, it wasn't huge, but I, I do think I won this year. Yeah. Um. So, final take to rake in the history of the back. God, man. History. pressing. <laughs> final take to rake ever. Yeah. Um. We've got Diamondbacks, Rangers. Mm. Yeah. Should we each have
1: to pick one from one team? Would that be more fun, or should we just pick one player?
0: Um... I I think it would be well no um why don't we pick a player from each okay. screw it why don't it's we up. each just pick it's two up. players so from the rangers god it's hard not to pick Adolis Garcia right cuz he's him. been so on fire but doesn't that mean that he's due for a lock, for for a comeback i don't know a come i come down i, I mean
1: I, I don't think it works that way in the playoffs as much
0: yeah i think i got to take garcia okay and then from the from the diamondbacks well, you know what? I'll let you pick first okay. from the Diamondbacks. Give me Marte. Why not? tell Marte? Yeah. All right. Do you want me to write
1: these down or do you want to do it? I got it. Okay.
0: I got it. So I'll do um, Paul takes Garcia and Corbin Carroll.
1: Corbin Carroll. Okay. I will do uh, Evan Carter from the Rangers.
0: Nobody taking Seager.
1: Yeah, Seager's a good pick too. Really, all three of those guys—you can't go wrong. between Garcia, Seager, and Carter.
0: Uh, so you're taking Evan Carter, and you're taking Cattell Marte. Yeah, do it. Final bat around.
1: It sucks. there can't be an Oriole. That's unfortunate. It? Yeah. The, the final. This would have been a really good way to close out the battle around if the if the Orioles had just won the World Series. Yeah, that would it, have been nice. Par- part on. of me
0: thought, why don't we do one thought? You know, why don't I do one more season? And maybe the Orioles will win a World Series, and that'll be my, my, a sweet swan song. But, you know, um,
1: I, I do think we saw it through in a really good way, though, where mm-hmm. we got to see four seasons of complete misery to the most fun season, maybe, in, in your lifetime. Except maybe 97. I
0: know you love 97. 97 and tw- 2012 and 2014 yeah. were awesome. This year fair. was awesome, too. Um, 97 will always, until the Orioles win a World Series, 97 will always hold a special yeah. place in my heart. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but this year's up there. This year's for sure up there. I mean, there's not a lot of them, but this year's right. for sure up up there. No doubt. Um, Yeah, final take to Rake. Paul, uh, me, I take um, <laughs> Adolis <laughs> Garcia and Corbin Carroll, and Zach takes Evan Carter and Cattell Marte. Don't all uh, right. Final thoughts. Ravens, last week – Um. They did what nobody expected them to do. What else can you say? I mean, they, 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 first team in, in the NFL to score a touchdown on each of their first four drives. They could have scored any drive, every drive, if they wanted to. Um, even I think it was their first or second drive in the second half, the 80 yard gust, I mean, four plays, 96 yards or some junk like that, and they score a touchdown. Um, the Lions didn't even get off the team bus. They were down thirty-five, nothing in the third quarter. Right. Uh, or uh, the Orioles. The Ravens win that game, thirty-eight to six. Lamar Jackson, AFC Player of the Week, has now become one of the front runners for MVP. Three hundred fifty-seven yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Um, this week they're, and the Ravens defense is the best defense in football. Uh, no, yeah, they're, they're it, it num- is. They're number one in yards. Number one in points per. I mean, they're allowing thirteen points per game. That defense is. Ridiculous, and that's with injuries. This, this team, I'm ready
1: to say it. This is the best team in in my in my history of watching Ravens football, and that's been since about 07, roughly.
0: So the 06 team was phenomenal. I've yeah. been I've been around for every Ravens team that there's been, and the um you know both Super Bowl teams. The 06 team has always stood out to me as the best team. That defense, really good defense. That, yeah. that defense was stupid, and the offense they. The offense did enough to win football games with that defense. Um, the 2011 Ravens team was really good. Yeah. 2010 and 2011, both those teams went 12-4. and four. The 11 they team were, was the team that should have won the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, and then the 2012 team, I mean, they started 9-2. and two. And think about the hey, diddle, diddle, Ray Rice up the middle conversion on 4th yeah. and 29. If they don't convert that, they don't even make the playoffs. Right. They don't right. even make the playoffs, and they won, they won, and won the Super Bowl that, and that year. You
1: know, the, the the Jacoby Hail Mary, not really Hail Mary, but he, the, the Mile High Miracle. The Mile High Miracle, that's what I was yeah. looking for. Um. Incredible moments, but this team is better than all of them, in my opinion. The, the, I,
0: this I, team, what they have on offense, uh, their offensive line, Gave Lamar more time than I've ever seen him get. Oh, La- yeah. Lamar's amazing. passes are so deadly accurate this yeah, year. he's amazing. Um, he's the yeah. highest-graded play, quarterback in football, according to uh, Pro Football Focus, and the second-highest-graded cool. football player, um, I think, in the red zone. Uh, a quarterback in the red zone. Um, the defense has been lights out. If they stay healthy, and with this team, that's always a big if. Always. The, receiving, the receivers caught the football. Mark Andrews looks like an all-pro again. If they add Derrick Henry, I don't know how you stop this offense.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if Derrick Henry's the right fit. I, I was actually having this argument with Matt Pine yesterday, and he's very on the on the Derrick Henry train. And I was like, you know, Gus Edwards is not obviously as good as Derrick Henry, but they're the same type of player. Do you really want to have both of them in the same offense?
0: I'm not really sure. I what? Well, Derrick Henry can do so much. He can. And maybe Gus Edwards is part of that trade. I'd be okay with, yeah. with losing Derrick Henry with losing Gus Edwards to get Derrick Henry. I would be too. I just don't um, know if I want
1: both of them in back-to-back snaps running. The I, I don't know. I, I'd rather have a more elusive guy like Dobbins or, or Hill that but, they already but,
0: have. But but Dobbins is hurt. Uh, of course he's gone for um, the year. Yeah, uh, of course. Um, uh, of but, course. But maybe I mean you when you look at it, you had Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know. Two of those guys were the same type of player in in, uh, Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. Um, I I look at it as, you know, if you get Derrick Henry, 15 carries a game. Mm -hmm. You get Gus Edwards, 10 carries a game. And Justice Hill, 6 carries a game. You're in a situation there where you're really... I mean, how do you stop a team that has that kind of running game? I don't I, know,
1: and I agree with you. Running back is their biggest need, yeah. uh, I, undoubtedly right now. Running back is their biggest need. I also think tackle is a need because I, I still Ronnie Stanley played a lot better last week. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I, I believe that tackle is going to be an injury issue and a fatigue issue down the stretch. So I, I think they should add depth at tackle. How do you as think well.
0: they feel about their pass rush? They're, they're, they're first in the in the NFL in sacks. Clowney, but they, Clowney's excellent. Yeah, he's the, been excellent. Uh, Matt, Matt BK is going to get a. Bag. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God, five and a half sacks for him. Uh, at this point in the season he's going to get a ton of money uh, in the offseason as a free agent whether it's from the Ravens or somebody else um you know Adape Oway I know you're not a big Oway guy no. but he came the way he played against the Texans and then he got hurt and then the way that he played in his first game back after missing 4 weeks he is he looked every bit the part yeah, I thought uh, he was a force in that game
1: when he played. Th- that's definitely true. Owe played, his. I thought, his best week. And he's obviously been injured for the great part of this year. But I, I thought he played his best week since... He forced that fumble in the Chiefs game two years ago. I yeah. haven't seen Adafio have that much of an impact since then. He played well, and I'll give him credit for that. I'm not the biggest fan. I also don't know. Tyus Bowser should be back at some point soon, but John Harbaugh kind of gave no update on that this week when I asked about it. I don't think he's back
0: ever. I Really? I don't think he's back ever. I think if he was coming back at all this year, they, they would be more open to talking about it. it. If it happens, it's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. You would um, think. Yeah. So... Uh, my prediction for this week's game. I believe you gave your prediction first last week. My prediction sure. for this week's game. I don't know that the offense is going to click like it did last week. If it does, it's not going to be close. I don't think it's going to be close either way. I'm going to say Ravens 31. Uh, no, I'll go Ravens 34, Cardinals 9. 34-9? hmm That's an interesting score. Um I think
1: they'll score a touchdown. I mean, Joshua Dobbs has been okay for them. Colin Murray's off the injury he, report. He's yeah, he is. I, I don't. Th- he's, he's still d- doubtful. I, though. I still don't think he's gonna play. I, honestly, I, I think Joshua Dobbs is better. Hot take, really hot oh, yeah, take. I I hate Murray, Kyler Murray. I did
0: pick him up and put him on my back.
1: Kyler Murray is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. I hate Colin Murray. Kyler I Murray. Think he's it, such a bitch. Oops, <laughs> I,
0: I don't know how I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. We only got two weeks left anyway. I, but I I hate I hate That's Kyler funny. Murray.
1: That's funny. That's funny. Not a Kyler Murray fan. No, no, I I just I don't think he's a very good quarterback. Frankly, I I think he's. Not very careful with the ball. Similar to the way Lamar runs around a lot of times where I just don't think Kyler Murray's very careful with the ball. And I, I don't know if he's the smartest quarterback in the world either. Um, but he is an extremely good athlete. And that's where he really... Uh, and his arm is good, no doubt. Very mm-hmm. strong arm. I just don't think he's the most accurate. I don't think he makes the best decisions. Should have
0: played baseball. Obviously, he us make the best decisions. He throws football over baseball.
1: Him, well, him and, uh, and Baker Mayfield are similar in the decisions they make, which are just poor. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're great great talented players, but they just make poor decisions, and that's what I look like. That's what I look at with Kyler Murray. Joshua Dobbs is not that good either. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think so far he's been better than expected for mm-hmm. a, a bad Cardinals team. Uh, they're they're a bad Cardinals team. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Uh, twenty no, I'll go thirty thirty
0: one seventeen. Thirty-one seventeen. Yeah, Ravens are only allowing thirteen points a game. They're playing a, a, a yeah, bad
1: Cardinals team. I think they're due for a bad week. After they're still going to win. Yeah. they're, they're going to win. But I think they're due to give up a few more points than they did last week.
0: I can see it. It could be that could be the, the type of trap game that is. I don't think that they right. lose. I just don't. No, think they're, that not, they lose. they're not. They're not going to lose this if game. they do. Man, we're going to be. Like, Th-
1: this is not the definition of a trap game. Trap games are when you're playing a team that is.
0: It's like if you were to yeah. play the Broncos or something.
1: Right. Ex- that's a great example of it. This team is not a, a trap game. This yeah. is not what that's going to be. I, I yeah. will hopefully they don't go prove me wrong but it's
0: like when they <laughs> lost to the Steelers that was a trap game that was
1: a trap game For because sure. they're not complete garbage they're just <laughs> they're they're just
0: you know i don't know they're, they're a middling franchise, is what I would say with the Steelers at the moment. Uh, I think they suck. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the batter round. Thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to Ryan Ripkin for another great segment with us. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our listeners and fans. Without you, we really don't have a show. And in two weeks, we really don't have a show. I'm going to cry. All right. Love you guys. I will talk to you next week. See ya.